This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, and welcome to the Audible extension for Theo 2 The Shattering. I'm your host, Nate, and I'm joined by my co host, Troy. Hey. And our guest today is the main writer for this piece, Troy. Welcome to the show, Troy. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, this Audible extension is just going to be Nate and me. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have a third person uh, this time around, and I honestly don't think we need one because this is going to be long enough as it is. Right. So right. Uh, it's just going to be the two of us, and I'm really excited to talk about this game. Me too. So why don't we... I. I suppose let's just start where we usually start, which is with the cutting room floor. What was left on the cutting room floor from the review? I would say about half the game was left <laughs> okay. on the cutting room floor. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So let's cover it. Let's do uh, it. Let's cover it. Yeah. I wanted to write a review that was uh, not quite as long and mm-hmm. perhaps tiresome as mm-hmm. some reviews have gotten. Because it, mm-hmm. it, it really could have been twice as long as it was. So I wanted to just hit the highlights of the game, give people a general idea. So there was a lot I didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. So, let's, so let's do it. Yeah. Let, let's start with research in the game. Because that's something we almost always talk about in a review. But I left it out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we can describe the basics and then kind of pontificate on it. Sure. Um, you you want to go over it or you want me to go over it? Uh, how about you let me describe it? And then I want to get your opinions on it. Okay, okay. fair enough. Go for it. So research is divided into four different uh, areas in Thea 2. You have the resources, which is pretty much exactly like Thea 1, except that uh, e- each resource type, let's say like metal or leather or stone, can be interconnected with each other at the highest tiers to make new composite materials. So you might have something like obsidian and mithril come together to make, it's like heartstone or something like that. Okay, and that's a, a tier four material that's not something that you can gather. You have to produce it using your village ovens. And so that's a completely new thing for the Thea franchise. So you have composite materials that have both like stone properties and metal properties, or you might have both wood properties and gemstone properties, which is really neat. And I love the icons they are beautiful. The next section of research is crafting. And this is almost exactly like Thea one different weapons, spears, um, shields, swords, axes, etc. The newest things are like spell pages and spell books. Uh, which is really cool for magical using characters. So I thought that was a really nice addition. But you know the 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 way you do research in Thea two is pretty much like Thea one for crafting, and then cooking in Thea two they really change the way cooking works. And instead of just being able to throw any combination together to make a new food, food is divided up into uh, several specific categories and. You have to research those categories, which uh, is kind of a big change from Thea 1. You didn't really have to research your food in Thea 1. Uh, you did a little bit. Like, you could make breads and 
different things, but it wasn't really something you worry about. It means a lot more in Thea, too. And I think we'll talk more about that when we get to, like, food and uh, morale and cooking, that sort of thing, how those are related. And then the last area of research is, like, your your home, your village. And that even that is divided up into two parts. First, the buildings, the different structures you can make. And there's uh, a lot of different structures in this one. But none of them can be repeated. Unlike Thea 1, where you could have multiple cabbage patches, let's say, in... Thea 2, you can only have one of each building. And then also you have the rituals in that uh, research window. And the latest DLC added a lot of those. So what do you think about research in Thea 2, Nate? Okay, I, I think you left out a little thing. Oh, what? With the research. So, Oh, getting the research points. You want to talk about that? Right, yeah, yeah. So research points you get through several ways. One way, which is the same as in Thea, you fight, essentially. You, you fight... You uh, do, you know, like events that happen when you're moving or quests or goody huts of various types that you can do. Or maybe um, you're you're trying to become friendly with one of the many villages that are. I, let me check real quick. I want to see if we're covering the, the variety of villages. I don't think we have it covered, do we? Uh, we can talk about that later if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I do. Um, All right. Excellent. Let's there's a there's a spot where we can add it. So I'll just briefly cover it here. But uh, you have um, outside of the you know the humans, the dwarves, the elves, the orcs, the goblins. You also have a new faction that wasn't in Thea One. But you have like the villagers, and as you're trying to make friends with the villagers in order to recruit or trade or get healed for like a mental damage or spiritual damage or physical damage, something like that. You, there's all these things you can do. So you can you get research points as you're doing these quests. But another way you can do it is you can do it in an encampment where you're basically sending in your, you know, your bookworms to do research on certain topics, be it uh, some mysterious new enemies you encountered or the other denizens of Thea or maybe resources like terrain types and things like that. So there's all these sources for research that you have and the further you go along the longer you conduct research so as you're going further and further and further into the various research trees the returns diminish which is good because you don't want to research everything in like 50 turns and be like okay now what so you can play a thousand turns and still not research everything which i appreciate it makes you kind of decide do you what do you want to follow what kind of weapons do you want what kind of armors do you want what kind of items do you want, you know? And then the fact is, one of the biggest issues I had with Thea 1 is when your party's out and you're gathering stuff and there's nothing for you to do, what do you do with all these people? Are they just kind of sitting around the campfire twiddling their thumbs or getting drunk while everybody else is working? So they added some stuff like rituals and research and things like that. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like the changes. It does obviously... Uh, create a certain level of micromanagement, but I think we can talk about that a little later on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the new way to gather research points um, where you can have more control rather than having to fight or having to quest, because let's be honest, that's not easy in this game. So you can research and level up your tech trees without engaging in combat. In a game with such lethal combat, I think this is a great innovation. It makes it a lot more fun. So uh, I agree. I, yeah. I agree. So I think we could go ahead and move on to leveling up characters. Sure. And so uh, 
I'll describe that real quick. And basically okay. in, in Thea 2, it's almost like any other game. You know, you have your combat or you do your quest and you get XP for it, experience points for it. And then once you accumulated a number of experience points, your characters level up. Now what's different in Thea 2 from Thea 1 is you get a lot more control in what skills get bonuses when your characters level up. In Thea 1, it was either random or like some type of weird predetermined path people really couldn't figure out. It, was, it wasn't really clear how your characters got bonuses and different things as they leveled up. Well, in Thea 2, mm-hmm. when your characters level up, you're prompted, you open a window, and you get three choices. There are three different skills that can be leveled up. And sometimes these are basic stats, such mm-hmm. as like your physical offense staff or mm-hmm. stat, or your mm-hmm. magical defense stat, or your initiative stat, or it could be other types of skills. It could yeah, be like gathering. Your intelligence. It could be like your intelligence. Yeah. It could be crafting. It could be your uh, a skill within your own species. So, like, if you have an elven character, you can level up your elfness, and that gives you a lot more bonuses and abilities. But there's also malices, too, because as elves become more elfy, they also lose their... not. Their, I don't think they physically lose their ability to carry items. It's just they become so aloof, they refuse to carry heavy loads. Like, I'm not a beast of burden. I'm not going to carry this stuff. So, as your elves become more elfy, they don't want to work as hard carrying stuff. So, make sure you have a animal, some kind of a, one of your pets is some kind of a pack animal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, do you like the new leveling system nate yes yes and no i like it but at the same time i don't like it and i'll tell you what i don't like and they're working on it so i know that they're going to get this fixed because they've been tweaking it since early access and this is usually one of the biggest complaints that people have outside of like difficulty and things like that is that some of the uh, some of the upgrades when they're leveling up don't make sense so there's certain so each character class has a certain set of skills that are attached with the class and any other class there's a random chance they might get it i don't i think that's how it works i don't know how how probable or likely it is to happen but it's certainly there i've seen it happen but then you have your uh, upgrades that can happen as a result of your species and then you have your upgrades that can result I believe because of the deity that you chose, who's ever, you know, whatever warband you're in, whoever you're chosen is. So what I don't like is sometimes two of my options are the same thing. So if I have a weapon that gives me a certain skill and then I have an upgrade option that gives me the same skill, uh, I'm, you know, now I'm trying to figure out whether I'm looking for a new weapon or if I'm upgrading the skill or what's going on. So there's, uh, there's a few spots where they need to keep tweaking. And I think you have it in a different part of, you know, the order of things. So maybe we'll skip it for now. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you tell us about God points? That's another thing that got left on the cutting room floor. So can you tell everyone yes. about God points? Yes. So this is one of the biggest changes and, in my opinion, biggest improvements from Thea 1. So in Thea 1, you leveled up your god by, um, as you're upgrading, as you're playing the game, you're dying, you're living, you're finishing, you're getting points, you're upgrading your god. And as you upgrade, your not your god, but your deity, as your, I guess your belief increases or your faith, your deity gets stronger, but it's always the same. 
And once always you max the same out, deity. oh no, it's always like the same stuff. It's not like oh right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Like once you max out your deity, that's it. So your deity is really awesome, and you have really cool stuff, but that's it. There's nothing else that you can do. This deity is just that, and that's all there's to it. In Thea two, that's not the case. Yeah, you you up, you don't necessarily upgrade your deity, but you upgrade the classes you can have. And what you do for one deity, if there's the same class in another deity, you get to carry it over. So you don't have to keep redoing it. Like if it's a uh, like a, some kind of animal, like a wolf or like a king's, uh, what is it? Uh, the snake, the emperor's snake or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so if you open it up for one deity and another deity has it, that deity will have access to it too. So that's cool. So there's, there's saving you. You don't have to play the game 500 times to open everything up. You can actually do it less, just be more efficient about it. Um, you have a lot more flexibility. So from like playthrough to playthrough, you can start with different characters and different bonuses. And that's another thing that you couldn't do in Thea 1. So I, I personally, I really like it because I'm not playing the same game over and over. Though, we will talk about it later, why there's other stuff they need to change so it doesn't feel like you're playing the same game over. So that's the difference. Yeah, my, my biggest problem with the god points is just how expensive all mm. the cards are to unlock. I don't necessarily have a problem with how expensive they are to add to your pool of cards that you start with a game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I earned 39 points in one game. And that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That is a ton of points. And I unlocked, I was able to unlock two cards with it. Which, uh, let me guess, the Elven Druid and the Tainted Shaman? No, you couldn't even afford that because no, it's about 25 no, exactly. and 20. Exactly. So it was the Elvish Druid and the Extended Range for Gathering when you're in a camp. Mm. That was it. But but those are two good cards. Those are two really good cards. And they're worth every God Point form. Well, so yeah, they are. But was it worth the trouble? Well, to unlock them like that it took me like that was a tough game that was mm. a tough game i got a lot of points but that that took a lot of hours to do i put mm. in a lot of hours to unlock two cards so the the point balance like the the cost to unlock mm. th those two cards which are very powerful seems right compared to the cost to unlock all the other cards however the the amount of work it takes to earn the points to unlock those cards, I think is too much. Mm. So I think That's... God points need to come a little bit more easily for people because when they play and they die and they earn one or two God points, which won't unlock anything, mm. that's very deflating. And yeah. when you die that's five times complaint. and that's you only... Well, if you die five times, you only get seven God points... Like, you're about done with the game at that point. Because you're going to unlock one card, and it's not going to be very good. It'll be, like, better starting equipment. You'll get mm -hmm. some level 2 equipment or something a like granny's, that. A granny's... A granny's um, pa pantry. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. You actually need good. the food. It is good. I usually do start with that one. Yeah, but, that's that's a, that's the one you want, actually. But the thing is, like, that's, that's your reward for losing five times is granny's pantry. And oh, it's because you're hungry. Babushka that, didn't have a chance to feed you well. You were yeah, hungry. that's not exciting or interesting. Uh, so yes. I think they need to take a look at not how the cards are balanced against each other. I think that's fine. Mm. Uh, the rate at which you earn God points right I, now. I is actually I have unfun. an idea. I have an idea on how to fix it. Okay. So you have your main quest and you have your deity quest. 
And then you have a couple of different victory conditions, which you can keep playing the game after you do all three of those. So I think at the end of the main quest, you should actually get a few more points than you get now. And at the end of, you know, when you meet the victory conditions, so however many points you get, if you get one point, you should get two. If you get two points, you should get three. Like that, just a little bit more, I think that'll make the difference, personally. Because, you know what, I, let's talk about this next This next well, thing I want to talk about. Let's let's move it to the, to the correct section. All right, well, hold on. I really just want to say that I'm on board with your suggestion there. I think that's a yeah. good idea. I think they should give you a few more points in the mm-hmm. very early game. So that way people don't get as discouraged and then give you better rewards for points for finishing an end game. Yep. So I'm with you 100% on that. Yep. So you want to talk about babies and kids? Yes. Uh, they're awesome. I love them. Me too. Uh, why don't you go ahead and describe how that works for everyone? Okay. So this is, this is one of those things that still kind of bugs me. So they got better about it. So in Thea 1, you didn't have too many events that gave you children. In Thea 2, you have quite a few more. So you have events like, oh, you just met the bandit captain and you have a party <laughs> member who's either attractive or beautiful, male or female, and you go off with the captain and you have a good old time and once in a while there's a kid comes out of it. Another one is a stork arrives and the stork has a present. Another one is on Orc Island, if you have a creepy character, the Orc matriarch, she likes the creepy guys or gr- I think it's mostly I think it's only guys. So she uh, she goes out and has a fun evening with your creepy guy and uh, if you if something comes of it, if it's a female character, one of her sisters will show up and she'll tell you, "Hey, here's here's a gift that the matriarch is giving you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and keep this daughter." And you can fight him, you can do whatever, but you know, you don't get the kid back. Another one is if it's a boy, oh, boy suck, here's your guy. Here's your boy. Do whatever. You know, so there's another one. And then, you know, you can find slavers. There's so many different events that give you kids. The one of the things that's really interesting to me is that I've never experienced this where at any given point in the game, I just cannot manage to have enough party members. Maybe I don't have enough kids, but I have other party members. I have their events where I get a wolf or a snake or a rat, you know? something there's or demon pops up or something there's always all kinds of events that give you opportunities so i've never had issues another thing i try to do is i try to make friends with all the other villages in the game which we're going to talk about a little bit later and once you get to a certain point you have an opportunity to recruit either a child or an adult from the elves from the dwarves orcs goblins you know there's even a way to get them from the snow folks up in the Icelands, you know, so, and then you get them from the Slavians, the scavengers, or just all these things. My one issue with all of this is the way they grow up. So I love the art in Thea, and I, and, and it's like, they go, the time in Thea is weird. It's like, is it years? Is a season 36 days or 36 months or 36 hours? You know, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a little, that whole thing is a little abstracted, mm-hmm. but your kids grow up and not only do they grow up fast, but some of the classes look really, really rough. So here's your beautiful little child. And now they have become an adult and they come back looking like an old man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like a beggar or something. And you're like, oh boy, yeah. wow. Yeah. What happened there? You know, <laughs> but, you know, that's, th- that's kind of one of those immersion things and it doesn't bother me. Mostly once in a while it does, but I don't, you know, I write really good stories for them, you know, 
that's another thing I really like is how you can write like little blurbs for the characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep a running tab of their adventures and like, oh, this child, th- these are the parents, you know, just one of the things that bugs me is like when parents have, you know, relations with their children. And I'm just like, oh man, yeah. Oh, dude, when that I oh that well, that's you know what I, though that listen, Thea is a setting where things are weird, mm, um, yes. things are brutal. Yes, and I mean, how, how uh, many people have been watching Game of Thrones? For, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not even like, gonna go come there. On, come on, I'm so anyway. Uh, I did to go back to your early point. I did run mm-hmm. into a situation where my rats. We're reproducing oh, yeah. so fast. Well, rats do that. that especially the undead ones. Yes, especially the undead ones. Uh, I, I ended up having such a large party mm-hmm. that I couldn't gather food fast enough to keep everybody fed. Like, there weren't enough slots to gather enough food mm. to keep my party fed. And I was starting to panic. I was oh. like, what am I going to do? So but That's awesome. Well, what happened is... I got attacked by a dragon. And he killed all your rats in and one attack. And he killed my chosen one. Uh-oh. Okay? And if your chosen one dies, one of the options that you it's have to is sacrifice. to sacrifice two party members to bring him mm-hmm. back to life. Uh-huh. And so I was like, yes, bye-bye rats that are eating everything. Get back my chosen one. That put me back into balance. And then uh, I was actually able to well see i didn't want to split my party right there either because i knew there were dragons around right right so well i mean you got to look at it this way rats do reproduce fast very fast i've had a whole screen on my like characters i I think i think it's in the review i think it's in the review you had a picture of that but here's the thing they actually did something to address that in one of their patches they gave you an opportunity where you can actually uh basically drop off party members in slavian villages yeah yeah Mm-hmm. So you, if you have party members who you do not want to have, you can actually. I don't know what happens. I've never done that before. I I, I haven't imagine. done it either because I usually want to keep everybody. Right. It was just a rare circumstance because I was on the dwarf island. And there's not right. a lot of food on the dwarf island. Right. And so being like being able to cook, which is really mm-hmm. important, was difficult that, to find like the proper ingredients. So by like, the way, I was starting to panic. By the way, do you remember? Some of the things I said when Thea 1 came out that I wish, like, why can't you cook in a party? Why can't yes, you do yeah. this? Yeah. Nice, right? This yeah. is what I was talking about. Almost everything the fans really wanted in Thea 1 made it into Thea 2. So Almost. the devs still, are fantastic. There's still one or two things left that I'm hoping that, that On they Nate's add. personal wish list. But when you go back and you look through the threads, the majority mm-hmm. of the people... Yes. Uh we got everything we wanted. Yes, so we did. That's pretty cool. Um, let's move on to ships and mm-hmm. encumbrance. So I talked about ships a little bit in the in the review, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, you you make a ship and then you can sail to another island, uh, but the ships are kind of limited in how much they can carry. What I didn't, which mention, makes sense, which yeah, makes sense, totally makes sense. Uh, even if you build it out of tier five material, it's actually way limited compared to what your characters can carry. But what you can do is you can have multiple ships. You can build multiple ships per party. Mm-hmm. As long as they're different ships. Yes, as long as they're different. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is you got to lug those ships around. The ships yeah. are heavy. Yes, so they are. <laughs> they, they eat up your carrying capacity. So it's 
it's a very nicely balanced system, I think, because you get mobility, and moving with mm-hmm. a ship is way faster than moving on land by yep. a lot. Yep. Um, so you get that extra mobility, mm-hmm. but you have to sacrifice carrying capacity. And mm-hmm. so, to me, that's a sign that a really smart designer is behind the game because right. you you wouldn't necessarily think about balancing those two things against each other and you can you know you don't have to leave your ship on a uh, park on the shore hoping nobody steals it and hoping it doesn't get destroyed or stolen right that i mean that's that that's the way awesome it often it goes in other games that would be awesome if it did uh just... well that's one way to do it i like the way that they did it i think that's a better design because you can right. take your ship with you like you're a bunch of Vikings or something. Right? Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine here's your war party and they're all hiding under... <laughs> they're all carrying these giant ships on their heads. You know, the, so I think if you carry a ship for one... And I don't think it's islands. Like, I play on the biggest possible map. So I don't yeah, think me it's too. islands. I think it's continents, small continents. But anyways, oh, okay. archipelagos... Well, yeah, they but, look like islands then. <clears throat> Whatever. So I'm imagining that here you have your warband walking with everybody has a bunch of ships over their head. So it's always a funny image to me. But yeah, I I like it too. I wish there was an option where you could park your ship, but there's a risk of somebody stealing your ship or, you know, your ship being damaged in an event or like a flood or, you know, a sudden windstorm or fire or, you know, the rat and termites have taken refuge on your ship and now it is there. You know, new hive or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, you want to talk about buildings for a little bit? Yes, they added a whole lot of buildings, especially in the last couple of releases. And I think they added some more with the latest DLC. And I like it. I I don't. I like the fact that you can actually have more than ten buildings. But it would make more sense in a village if you have more than one of the same building. It's just yeah, you're running into the issue of stacking bonuses but here's the other thing so like the, the if you really think about it you have a village of you know some people beat the game with 12 people some people beat the like me like to get war bands of 40 or 50 people and yes i've had it and i play it on diff, higher difficulties there's ways to get it done without cheating and without anything so you know even a village of 40 people you're not going to have 18 buildings in a village of 40 people <laughs> right you know you're going to have your tavern and above it is going to be, you know, so your tavern is going to be food and stables on the side. And above it, you're going to have, you know, maybe like uh, for people, travelers or something like that. Or maybe the mayor lives there. So you have two or three homes. You'll have a blacksmith. You might have uh, some kind of merchant set up, something like that. Maybe a school mixed with religious organization, an outdoor oven that people get to use, you know, and the walls around the town and a watchtower. And that's usually it for a village of 30, 40 people because somebody's got to build all this stuff, right? And you need the resources. So that's that's still, they need to, I think they need to balance it there. They're, they're a little bit, on the one hand, they really like having all the variety. On the other hand, kind of falling into the trappings of uh, typical 4X games where, you know, one copy of a building and you're set. So it's, it's a tough, tough balance there. But... Yeah. Um, Personally, I'll be honest with you, I almost never build villages anymore because I hate. There's two events that I utterly hate, utterly hate. One is you have uh, some scavengers or bandits trying to ambush you. So check this out. You have four people coming to ambush you, right? They're going to first strike you and rob your village blind, right? Right. Yeah. You have 25 or 30 people in your village. (laughs) You one turn dragons with two people. 
You can just take out a dragon with your top two people. How does every person in Thea not know that this village has the most insane, most bloodthirsty, most crazy, scary murderers in the land? Why would anybody even come close to your village unless they're coming hat in hand begging for something, right? That's yeah. one. Second so, event. And, is, and I think we need to explain that the event Nate is talking about like oh, no, really no, no. messes up your village bad. No, no, that's not the one I'm talking about. No. Yeah, they steal all your stuff. No, I, I haven't. That's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, that's that isn't. I well, no. I hate the one where they take all my stuff. No, so the one I'm yes, me too. The one I'm talking about is the one where uh, your people hear that there's going to be an attack on your village, so you can send out your scouts yeah. and you right, can see yeah. who's out there. So it's like a three or four skull challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Star, whatever you know. It's not too difficult. Early on, it's pretty gnarly, but later on, it's just not even, not even, you don't even have to think. Even if I forfeit, I should win by default. <laughs> it's just yeah. me forfeiting is like a big, you know, big middle finger to them. And then like, whoa, whoa, we're just messing. We're just messing, you know? So you have a couple of different options there. But if you like engage them, you take damage and you take a lot of damage. How the hell are four people doing so much damage to your village? I thought my village had walls. I thought I had watchtowers. What the hell? What are these, like, four characters, like, four ninja assassins that are, you know, attacking me? Four Delta, four Delta squad members, you know, Green Berets that are coming in and just wrecking my village, right? So that's one. But right. that's, and, that and, one's not so bad. And this is why people that build their villages early end up hating Thea too. Yes. Yes. Because you should not build your village early. But it's go ahead. hard. It's hard to build your village early. You need a lot of resources to build it. You're building it with low level resources. You got to expend a lot of resources later upgrading your idol and improving it. The only benefit to building your village early essentially is that uh, some of the weather effects don't don't affect you in your village and you get a bonus house demon but other than that i can't and you get like you know larger as you upgrade you get larger area to collect resources and stuff but still not in the early you, game yeah yeah it's not enough it's not worth it now the second event that event is the number one most hated event i've not seen a single person that likes it it's when you have a bunch of robbers sneak into your night and steal stuff from you and then you have to try and hunt them down so apparently if you don't collect from them that event never triggers again which doesn't make sense to me oh, if you really? don't collect from them i would imagine that they would come back every night and they're like these people don't care let's just rob them <laughs> blind because they're digging under the walls they're coming through the curtains falling you know parachuting from the sky somehow you know stealthing through the walls and they're just robbing you blind Again, back to my original point. How in the hell is there anybody that would be like, oh, these guys would be a 18 skull challenge. We'll just go rob them. <laughs> so if you have a pretty character, you can send them out and make googly eyes at them. They're like, ah, fine, take your stuff. Or you can kill them. Or you can negotiate with them. But it's just, it's. I hate that event. That event should either be changed or if you have a guard tower, it should be Nobody can rob you. Nobody can sneak up on you or something like that. Or if you have, this is one of them. Okay, I will save this. This is a gripe I have. So I will add it to the gripe section. But yes, let's move on to the next. All right. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say about buildings. They don't, even though uh, they're a lot different, they don't seem as special as they were in Theo 1, especially when you build them out of higher tier materials. And then like the trading tent doesn't get any extra bonuses from higher tier resources 
And to me, that just seems like a problem with the design. Like, the trading tent should get you something for for building it. Like, the difference between tier 1 tent, tier 5 tent is zilch. There is no difference. I, and I, don't, under, that, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. There, there should be something for going to all that trouble. It's hard to get tier 5 mats. You should be rewarded for putting your resources into that. Right. Um, but on I the mean, flip I, side, if you have the playground, oh my God, does it help you. <laughs> yes. That's like, seriously, if you're building a village, there's like three or four things you need to build, but the playground should be the first thing you build. Yeah, try that, to get to the playground. And then upgraded idle. So right. like a really good idle gives you more, more like you can extend your... Um, so if you build an idol with a primary, I believe primary tier f- tier five and secondary tier four, or maybe both need to be tier five. If you build an idol with that, you can you can gather resources for a total of four tiles out from the center tile. Yeah, and which is amazing. Fun. That's so much fun. Yes. Uh, so I like that. All right. Well, let's move on to something else you might work on in your village, mm-hmm. and that's cooking mm-hmm. food. So there's a lot of different food varieties. <sighs> And it affects it. morale. I love it. Like, yeah, me too. This is so much better. I like want more. I one, want more. I want more recipes. I want like double the recipe. <laughs> I, I want my breads. One, Where are my breads? Give me back. Yeah, that's one. a oh timeout. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to Inthea one in a second. You're totally right. Where's the bread? Right. This is a European this, game. This is Slavian. Where's the bread? Yeah, the Slavs don't have like fifty varieties of bread. Are you kidding me? There's just the pierogian. There's the fruit. Fruitcake. Where are the cakes? Give me like a dozen different pastries. Have you? Okay, maybe many people here in the U.S. don't don't know this, but like out in Eastern Europe, pastries. Oh my God! Like we're like, oh, the French have good man. Compared no, to, no, compared to Eastern European, the French pastries are like going to McDonald's. I'm sorry, exactly. French food, like. I mean, maybe if you grow up in France and, you know, I'm sure Apple two people are like, oh, French food oh, is the best. It's there, not, there is a lot sorry. of good French food. There's a lot of no, good. There, no. Every country has good food, but no. you're right about sorry. the pastries. Sorry. The the best pastries in the world, man, in the world are coming from from Russia, from Poland, from Hungary. Ukraine. Like the, from uh, Germany. They got so Ukraine, Romania, you know, we can, you, the Slav, you know. We can't say Yugoslavia anymore. Slovakia, I guess. <laughs> so, there's just like the pastries over there are insane. Give me at least one whole pastry menu. Thank you very much. And this just like so. Anyway, all right, dishes. all right, all right. Okay, sorry. They, As you can tell, I, why don't that's you? One of my okay, like ones. let me get through this thing. So in Theo okay. one for each like um, different named food that you had, it mm-hmm. would increase your your group's bonus, okay? So like if you were gathering um, berries and mm-hmm. meat and wheat, let's say that would count as three different food types. And then you might uh, cook bigos and fried fish, let's just say, and that would give you five food types. Well, in Thea 2... It's not that easy anymore. Like, you have raw food, which is any of the raw ingredients. Ingredients. Mm -hmm. And then you have the researchable food, okay? Mm -hmm. And each of those researchable, you might uh, research, like, vegetarian dishes. And that there might be, I mean, I don't know how many there are. There could be 10 or 12 different vegetarian dishes. uh, But they only count as one food type for morale. And... 
I think we're gonna have to put morale, cooking, and food varieties like all here together, Nate. So, uh, mm-hmm. what is your experience with like cooking and morale and that whole thing? I, it makes sense. I mean, think about it. Like, just, just really, really think about it. If you're eating, there, there's a small population in the world that eats the same exact food every day, the same exact way, and just is super. Like, assuming you're not hungry, assuming you're not, you know, you're not in a place where food is such a concern that if you don't get it, you know, you're dying, you know? And that's actually something that's addressed in Thea too, by the way. So, you know, you want more variety. One of the spirit, it's funny, it's an interesting thing that they're mentioning. One of the ways you recover from a spiritual attack or attack on your spirit, not on your faith, not the purple, but the yellow attacks is through having food variety. So basically, you're sitting there and you're eating yourself back to happiness. It's yeah, those are like drink. mental attacks. Mental, right. Like you're, you are, I didn't mean spirit, I meant mental. So you are drinking your sorrow away or eating your sorrow away. So I think there should be a malice to that. That if like, So they have a couple of malices in the game right now. And I think there should be one if you overeat. <laughs> so also having too much variety, let's say if you have enough food to last you 450 days and there's only six of you, then maybe you're all gaining a little bit of weight. <laughs> it's just too much food, you know, but it's like this. It's I like it. I want more. I like what they did with it. That is definitely one of the I feel that that is an improvement because in the first game, like having more food meant that you were like food acted like steroids. You know, just a little bit of food and you can fight monsters, just a lot of food and you can slay dragons. You don't even need to be high enough level. You just need food and some equipment and you become God, God killers, you know, in Thea 2, it's like, okay, food helps you recover from, you know, stress and food helps you recover from particularly stressful situation and keeps you from dying. And like, yeah, I I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's much more balanced. And, so, and I like that you I, can I think... cook in your in your camp. Yes. That's another thing that I was like, why can't we have this in theater? This doesn't make any sense. Like, if you don't have a village, what, you can't cook on the on the fire pit? <laughs> exactly. I had so many conversations like that with Muha, and, like, now it's in theater, too, and I'm like, yay. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. It, it's what? very well designed. Food's very it well is. designed. It, like, it you is. never care about that in a 4X game, but here's a game yes. where you do in... It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yes. And they have some events that are associated with food that are really funny. Indeed. Indeed. So, so um, here's something that they kind of borrowed perhaps from like Age of Wonders. Uh, in mm-hmm. a challenge, mm-hmm. if there's another group that is close enough. Six tiles, I believe. Six tiles away. They can help in that challenge. So let's go back to the situation I was in mm-hmm. with my starving group. What mm-hmm. I could have done, probably what I should have done split that group into two, and kept them within six tiles of each other. Mm-hmm. And had two groups gathering food, so that way nobody was starving. And even mm-hmm. if I did get attacked by that dragon I was worried about, I'd still have everybody there to help out. Mm-hmm. So this, being able to help out in a challenge within six tiles, and really, um, they, they could play with that somehow. I don't, I don't know how. Maybe there could be a building, like in a village, that would extend that. Like, villagers could help seven tiles out or eight tiles out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or a way, like, if you, 
make it a skill. Maybe you can only start helping out three tiles away, and then as you gain a skill, it's up to six or something like that. So there's some design room there I think they could play with. But helping in a challenge, it enables you to split your party without the normal uh, ramifications that come with splitting a party, namely, everybody dies. Mm. So I, I thought that was a big improvement. Is there anything you want to add about helping in a challenge, Nate? Uh, no. Yeah. I, it, I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So let's talk about pets. I know you were excited for pets. You yes. want to tell, uh, tell everybody about those? Yes, I love the pets. Um, you have like, you can have a dog or a cat. You can have a horse. You can have a goat. You can have an iron frog, otherwise known as a turtle. <laughs> yeah. You can have the bunny from Russian lore, you can, which is part of a very funny quest. So my guess is that's probably a Russian guy made a Kickstarter quest. Because there's one of the hunters stand, standing there with a white rabbit. So now there's a quest for that. And there's several outcomes, which not all of them have a rabbit. One of them has a goat painted white, which is really funny. <laughs> um, you can have demons, not demons. You can have ghosts, too, and you can have a banshee as a pet. You can have crows. So, yeah, pets Pets have a lot of purposes. Uh, pets are also, when they're fully upgraded, they give you nice bonuses. And in an emergency, you can use them for sacrifice. You can break them down for their components for food. If you're out of food, you can uh, throw them overboard on during some events to distract the uh, sharks. So pets are awesome. They and they have a, like some of them. You you can have like the spider or something like that, where you, or a bear when you summon them for combat or a boar. So pets rock. I, I got. I don't think there's a single. There should be more of them. Is all I have to say. Maybe a yeah. few more unique ones. Yeah, um, like the pets are really versatile. Some give you stat bonuses. Mm -hmm. Some increase your carrying capacity, which can be so important. Yeah, some, goats and horses. Yeah, some increase your movement, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Mm -hmm. um, horses and boars, I think. Right, and some can be used in combat. So, like, there's pets designed for every facet of the game. Oh, and there's wolves, too. And wolves and dogs, yeah, and yeah, dog. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, like, it's the pet system. Another thing that was really requested for Thea One couldn't be put in Thea One. Here it is mm -hmm. in Thea Two. Extremely well designed, a lot of fun. And the only thing we can really say about it is we look forward to the DLCs that add, add more. more, like I don't know, leprechauns or something. Else. I don't know. That's no, you can, you kind of you. That's the thing. Yeah, that's right. You have some of the pets. They're not really pets, but companions, I think, is a better yeah, term. Yeah, companions can have a better word. You can pets. have demons. You can, like the banshee, which is the f a female ghost. Uh, in her description, it says, who are you calling a pet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does not consider yeah, and, herself a pet. And like you said, you can break them down. Like some of the ghosts, like you can break down to really high tier materials. And yes. Or, you, oh my God, or sell them or trade them. Especially trade them to in for... Uh, yeah, characters and that sort of thing. Yep, so yeah, yep, yeah, yep. definitely. Um, I want to talk about tooltips real quick. Go ahead. Uh, namely, that the game has good ones. They're fine, they're, but there aren't enough. And I left this out of the review. I really wanted to say, but I didn't want to take the time to say that every little icon needs to have a tooltip in this game. So like when I'm crafting, and there's all those symbols there for, I don't know, weight, or how long it's going to take, or all these other things... They need to have tooltips. Like, every little thing needs a tooltip. And I would highly encourage the developers at Muha Games to go get a copy of At the Gates 
and see how John Schaefer did tooltips for that game. Those are the best tooltips in 4X. And every game needs to adopt that style of tooltip. I think Thea 2 would really benefit from that sort of thing because there's a lot people don't understand about this game. So when I read negative reviews or Mm -hmm. I read threads that, that are angry on either our forum or on the Thea 2, the Shattering forums. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't understand something. Better tooltips with those expanding tooltips, like in At the Gates, mm-hmm. would really... Or, or Stellaris also has pretty good tooltips. Yeah, yeah, Stellaris too. But I, I think At the Gates would be something they could really... I think that's the best um, one. I think you're right. I think right I now... I think that's, that's something they could adapt. And... Yeah. I don't, I don't think that would be patented or anything. Maybe they could look it up. Maybe it is. Maybe that's why nobody has no, tooltips no, no. like it's that. Just, it's they're very tooltips are very time consuming. And like when John was talking about it, he had so many times that he mentioned how much work went into those tooltips. So, yeah, I understand. That's the biggest. I understand. Biggest but issue. man, that would be a quality of life improvement. Um, Agreed. For or no doubt. So uh, let's let's talk about Cosmic Seeds. You want to explain? I didn't talk about Cosmic Seeds in my review. You want to explain those, Nate? Basically, a Cosmic Seed is how you make villages. The, the only way to make a village. So within the game, unless there's a mod that gives you more, you only get two. I think you should get three. You should be able to get one in the beginning, in the middle, and one at the end. So you make your one village, and then the second one, you can make another village wherever you want, or you can turn the cosmic seeds into rings of power. And they're so powerful. They're, they're awesome. They're, and I, they got nerfed already. And I hope they don't get nerfed further because they really are game changers, especially on small groups. So, um, and once you have a cosmic seed, like by having cosmic seed, essentially you're making a totem and that summons a, you're making an idol, and that summons a house demon, and basically you end up building a village around where this idol is or this totem to your god, to your deity, and it's pretty cool. Though, again, yeah. I'm I'm playing mostly as warbands, as nomads, so for me, it's like I just make my chosen and like my number one backup warrior, and I will talk about this a lot more when we're talking about combat, and my backup warrior has, a, has the other ring, which is a reference to Lord of the Rings, so... I, the writing in Thea is so damn good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We should talk about uh, the writing, just yes. the writing in... I mentioned well, it a little bit in my review, but we can talk about it again. Yes, but yes. When it comes to Cosmic Seeds, um, I feel there should be a slider for this. In, oh, um, that's not bad. In the uh, setup menu, like in the difficulty menu. Mm-hmm. And the it, sh- it should be a minimum... Well, you can even set it to zero. What about zero? Why not? Why not, right? No cosmic seeds, no villages, and that, no and that power. makes the difficulty. No that, power that, rings, right? That increases okay. the difficulty of the game. That's one And that would increase I, the difficulty of the game. And then max it out at however many, the maximum number of islands there are in the game. So let's say future DLC adds more islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, put the max at however many islands. That way people could build one village on each island if they wanted. That would be at the easy end. But good so, God, that's a lot of micromanagement. Yeah, it would be. But look, there are people who would want to play the game that way. And that yes. would make it 
much more of like a traditional 4X, right? You're expanding, yep. you're conquering, you're settling your, your village. And that would turn the islands kind of more into like provinces in endless mm-hmm. legend, let's say. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's something I'd like to see them do is put in a slider. Max would be equal to the number of islands all the way to zero for increased difficulty. And I think people would like that. I think that's yes. something they'd enjoy. Yes. Yeah. So, Nate, we're going to talk about what I think has got to be your favorite part of the game next. And that Not is... Not my third favorite part of the game. My first favorite part of the game is the cookie. <laughs> I should have known. All right, your third favorite part of the game, recruiting people. So yes. I'm going to let you take this one because I know you like it. Yes. So essentially, uh, when you start your game, depending on how many god points you have and the difficulty you're playing, you can have... And, the, and the, whichever god or deity you have, you can have... Your starting party will have a certain amount of members. And then you can have additional ones born to, um, you know, enthusiastic activities that the game says as much. The event calls it enthusiastic activities. Or a kid is found in a cabbage patch. Or, you know, you have, as I had mentioned earlier, like on different islands, you're rescuing kids from slavers or monsters and you can be recruiting them in the various villages, which we're going to talk about. I mean, I guess, do we talk about it now? Uh, not yet. Okay, Let's just so, talk about recruiting. So you can recruit that way, but then, like, at some point, there's a cutoff, there's a drop-off, where you're not able to get as many kids, so you have to do things to be able to recruit. At that point, that's when you build up your relationship with different villages, and then you get one or two characters depending on the village and depending on your relations and I think difficulty and stuff like that. So it's good. And there's a whole lot of events that give you opportunities to recruit them. So for example, if you're traveling from island to island and you have one of the flying demons, you can actually recruit the Vitrovic or Vitriolic. That's the demon that looks like a, like a tornado, the, the air demon. And then there's you or Vili or something like that. You know, there's so many opportunities to recruit. And I see people complaining about, oh, I just can't, my party, I can't go. And I'm just like, I don't know. I've never had issues with that. Once I figured out the mechanic, and that goes back to your tooltips again, I think, like lack of tooltips. So the transparency is not there. So people don't know that there's all these other things they can do. But on the flip side, you know, if enough people on a forum tell you, other than get good, which is really annoying. But if they tell you stuff like, oh, if you do this or if you do that or you do this, and just enough people say, hey, this works, and you're still not doing it, then maybe it's on you, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think we should also mention here that non-human characters are super powerful in this game. They were they were very powerful in Thea 1. I think they're even more powerful here in Thea 2. Uh, but they are hard to get. Like, you have to work on your faction standing really well and that's also where i think uh thea 2 and has some influence from like mmorpgs where you know you have to build your faction to get the quest or whatever um so i would like to see a little bit easier to recruit but the types of things you can recruit should be weaker versions so like for every different faction you could get there should be a sickly version of that faction so like you could recruit a sickly shadow elf pretty easily they're shadow elf but they're sickly so they can't carry as much they don't have all the powers and skills that a shadow elf normally has and at least that would give people like a guidepost hey 
you can interact with this faction, you can recruit for them, and you can get something that's actually really good if you work at it. Because right now, I think, like, you know, they meet the Slavians on the first island. That's just humans, right? And they establish their and village. The and, they, and, the and, and the scavengers, which are basically humans. And they put their village on the rich. first island because they don't know that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And then they start building their buildings. And in Thea 1, when you built your buildings, if you built them out of certain materials, you would be able to have a chance each turn to get some faction that's related to that material. So, mm-hmm. like, if you built out of stone, you might be able to get a dwarf. Or if you built it out of... I, I can't hardly remember now. Bones, you could get a goblin. Um, in Thea 2, it doesn't work that way at all. So they're trying to recruit the way they used to, and it it doesn't work. So maybe they could add sickly versions into the game. Maybe those could be recruited through buildings or through quests or events or something to kind of like move people along, like go find out more about these people and get to know them better. And then they're not getting a really powerful version. Maybe those are even worse than a regular human, so they're a drain on you or something like that. you got to find a way to build them up and make them better uh, by leveling them up later on. I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, know. I don't, like, I don't like that. I don't but like. that is... It, not being able to recruit non-humans has been a complaint I've seen several times. Yeah, and but it's, it's, it's easy. It's not... Well, I wouldn't say it's easy. It's available. No. It's available, it's, and I just don't think people really understand how to take advantage of it. That's well. different. See, understanding how to take advantage of something and availability are two different things. It is easy to recruit non-humans. It's just expensive and time-consuming. You just need to know how to do it. So, for example, there's quite a few events that happen throughout the game that have either either a positive or a negative effect on the faction depending on how you handle a situation. So you can improve your relations with the faction long before you ever actually set foot on their island. And then you just do a couple of either a fetch quest or a hunt quest or, like you said, MMO-style stuff, and then you get to recruit. So one of the first things I try to do in all my games is I don't try to recruit a human first or even a goblin. I try to recruit an orc first. I'm always trying to like find way an orc and a shadow elf from the shadowkin because having one of each of those really gives you that what you need to take on like the six, seven, eight, nine skull parties with small groups is having like some upgraded versions of that. And then so one of the things I do is sometimes you don't have a chance to recruit. So then you run around on their islands and try to engage the slavers and see if you can rescue the kids from the slavers. And a lot of people don't realize you can do that. Yeah. You know, I, so I again, lack of information. It's like just people don't know. People don't have patience. I understand. I, I perfectly understand if I was struggling with the game initially too in early access because combat, I, I really want to talk about combat. All right, well, then let's finish up things that we left on the cutting room floor real quick. First off, uh, Thea 2 has a free demo, which is is not that common anymore. First 50 turns, I think, or something. First 50 turns. So, like, if you're not not sure, go get the free demo. You can do a lot in 50 turns if you want. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. And then also, let's go, let's talk about variety of villages now. Why don't you take that? Yeah, so... On 
each island, I will leave the Slavians your main island for last. So on each of the island, you, you, you can have the main village on that island. So like on Orc Island or continent. See, that's why I'm saying it's not really, sometimes it's an island. Sometimes it feels like an archipelago because there's a whole bunch of them, but it's more continent. But anyways, on each one, uh, you have the main one and then you have some other ones. So for example, on the Orc Island, you have, um, you have the Orc and usually you have Night Demon. On Goblin Island, you have the Goblin and you have the Shadowkin. I think that's where they are. Um, on Elf Island, you have the Elves and the Horse Demons. On Dwarf Island, I don't think there's any minor on Dwarf. Not on Dwarf so. and not worse. on Ice. But you can have, as there's this one quest chain that gives you an island that has, it's like a demon city. And that's where you, that's like the best place. If you're going somewhere to, you want to sell your stuff or get like really good equipment, that's the best place is to do that question. It's, it's an interesting quest too. But anyways, yeah. So that's those islands. But on your main island, you have the Slavians, which are the people. You have like part of your quest, which is the chosen Slavian village. Then you might have a couple of Slavian villages. You might even have scavengers on there. You might have the stingers, which is a faction, basically the bees, the wasps, you know, the, the, does the spiders. insect faction, spiders, does the insect faction, arachnid, you know, insect arachnid faction. And then you can also have, who else? Is there anybody else? Then you have the light bringers and monster camps. So I like, I like it. And I, I like having all the variety, but I really want to talk about it. So let's go to comments. All right, let's talk about combat. Uh, first, I mean, I want to say that combat is brilliantly designed. You can tell that an incredibly smart person uh, designed this because mm -hmm. there's a lot of interlocking parts, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of options. In fact, an incredible number of options. Mm -hmm. And I think that's its biggest downfall is that combat is way too complicated for filthy casual people like myself or maybe some of the others who want to just open up a game and go beat face. And you can't really do that in Thea 2. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got to be much more careful about it. Now, the AI in combat is really fantastic, which I also think is a bit of a problem because higher tier weapons... Uh, give you area of of the effect mm -hmm. damage and, and skills. The AI or skills. You're absolutely right. Uh, the AI is fantastic at avoiding those, <laughs> and so <laughs> yes. your high tier weapons and these skills you've built up end up being nullified because the AI is so good. And so you're like, well, I spent all that time and effort doing this, and now I can't even use them, and that's a problem. Now on the yeah. flip side, this is a little bit crazy. When AI is used against you, it can be double punishing. Because in Thea 2, you can play a character more than once. In Thea 1, each character was one card, and you put that on the board, and then you uh, resolved it kind of like a row of dominoes. Mm -hmm. In Thea 2, you could play a character multiple times using different abilities. And so I could play a warrior. Or even the same ability. Even the, All right. Unle and, unless it's so, a summon. Unless it's a summon. Yeah. So... I could play like my warrior first, and then the enemy plays a card, and then I could play that same warrior right next to my warrior. Okay, so two instances of the same warrior. If that first warrior gets, they're right next to each other, they're adjacent. If that mm -hmm. first warrior gets hit by an AOE attack, like he takes damage. damage. Then the second instance of that same exact warrior takes AOE damage. Mm -hmm. So that warrior takes damage 
twice, even though he's a single individual on the battle board. And so that doesn't make sense from an immersion standpoint where, like, it should be him and anyone standing around him. Well, there's no one around him. There's just another use of his skill. It's just a second use of his skill. No, but it does make sense. And no, I, it doesn't make. I any can sense. explain it in such a way that you're going to be like, "Oh, well, okay." No, yeah, it doesn't I make see. any sense. And I'll can okay. continue my problems with combat. Okay, having will, two fields to watch. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. having two fields to watch: the field where you play your cards, and mm-hmm. the field where uh, basically initiative is decided doubles the complexity. Because now you got to be worried about two different things. And that's a lot of information overload for filthy casual fans mm-hmm. who just want something that's quick and simple to play. I have not a solution, uber, by the way. Not uber complicated. Um, now, I will say there are people that really love this combat. Mm-hmm. And I might suspect that it's really preferred by those who don't like randomness in combat. Like, uh, they're, they're not a big fan of, like, D&D-style D20 combat. Because mm-hmm. combat in Thea 2 is very deterministic. Yes. And for me, that's a problem because there's no chance of something unexpected happening. Going in, there is always a single best possible way to play your cards. There is always a perfect solution, or at least maybe not perfect. Let's say optimal. Mm-hmm. There's nope. one optimal solution in every combat. And to me, that's boring. Nope. I don't like that. Nope. And so uh, that's that That kind of outlines for me my problems with combat. I mean, there are more options. I don't necessarily think that's a, a good thing because it, it becomes uh, too much for a casual player to take in and understand. It seems like it's meant much more for hardcore strategy gamers and not the general gaming audience, it, which is emblematic of much of this game in my opinion, which we'll talk about more later. But anyway, Nate, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on combat. Okay, I disagree with almost everything you just said, except one thing. The AI is fantastic, and I am grateful that the AI is fantastic. Now, there are two solutions to the problems that you presented. And interestingly enough, in most situations, when you auto-resolve combat you actually get a legit result. Since you don't, and it's only because when you actually play things out, the AI is like, oh, so you want to do it the hard way. So then the AI proceeds to beat on you like really badly. And you're like, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I was kidding. I wish I could take it all back. But otherwise, here's where I disagree with you. So first of all, let me explain to you like the multiple instances of the same character. So let's say you're in a fight, right? And like a fight fight, like you are some kind of a combat sport, like doesn't matter what martial art, and you are squared up against your opponent. Say maybe there's two of them, maybe there's three of them, maybe there's four of them. So the way I look at Thea combat is, is here's my party of four going up against your party of four. But I have this really strong fighter, and this really strong fighter is going to step up and stay up. So if my strong fighter is going to be up for three attacks in a row, that means my strong fighter is going to get hit possibly three different times by three different people because my strong fighter is standing on the line of attack. Do you see yeah, what I'm but saying? you're not explaining how a single AOE attack hits the same character twice. Okay, so an AOE attack is, there's different versions of an AOE attack. So let's say, like, there's a slashing attack, 
right? Like an axe. So unless the axe is going from top bottom and it's literally cleaving you in two, if it's going side to side and you're trying to dodge the attack, you'll get hit by that axe twice. If it's a sword and you're going side to side, you get hit by that sword twice. Do you see what I'm saying? It hits you when it's going one way. It hits you when it's going another way because that sword is being swung. So you standing in combat longer than you should be, as in multiple rounds of combat, not rounds because you actually have that too, but if you're standing in combat for multiple instances, you get hit multiple times. Now, logistically speaking, it doesn't make as much sense as say, you know, that shouldn't happen. But if you use the same character over and over, then just assume that they got hit over and over. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, like, when you're getting hit with spells. and I mean, there's just so many times it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know of any game, tabletop Ma- or magic, video. Magic does it. No, Magic the Gathering does it. In Magic no. the Gathering, you can hit by the same spell multiple times in an area of effect attack, especially if you have interrupts, especially if you have tokens involved. So this... No, this, th- no I've played... Tons of magic. Well, no, let's see if somebody can, let's see if somebody jumps in. I know that Matt, he's a big magic player. Yeah, I know yeah. that Chris. Usually, want... it's a copy of a spell, but it's not the same spell. Well, let's see. Let's see. Right. Either way, the way I see it is, if you use your character multiple times, you take multiple hits, even if it's area of attack. But you know what? You know why it's not the end of the world? Because <laughs> I'll tell you why. If you're smart about your combat then you can really do some serious damage. If you have a character that's ridiculously powerful and the rest of your characters are supports, you know how you mitigate all these area of effect attacks? You can slow them down. You can reduce their overall damage. You can speed up your character. You can increase your character's damage. Yeah, that, that's what hardcore strategy gamers do and filthy casuals just look at that and go, this okay. is dumb, I'm out. Well, that's why you have out of resolve. And because- that's that's my biggest complaint is... The game toward the end, you're clicking end turn and you're clicking auto resolve. Nothing. And that's the game. I, that's I, only the game. Do, I only do that with really weak parties. With like nine nah. and ten skull parties, I fight it. It's fun. I try different things. I and that's when you that's the other thing you said. That like there's only one optimal way. Well, there is an optimal way, but there's not only one. And depending and like the, here's the funny no, thing. No, no, there really is. There is there is one optimal solution. You might not see it, and you might find multiple ways to win. But Theatu's combat is deterministic. There is one mathematical optimal way to play your cards. Well, I would wanna hear I want I would wanna hear from uh, I know who worked on the combat, and I know he listens, and he's a big fan. So I'm curious for his feedback on it. Because I've had instances where I'm fighting the, what looks to be the same 10-skull party or 9-skull party, and they fight differently from time to time. They're not doing the same exact oh, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that. But I'm, I'm when combat is generated... And if, if you could see all the numbers, like a really good mathematician would be able to tell you the optimal order to play those cards every time because there's no randomness. Like everything is, uh, yeah, unless the, the there AI, are no variables in combat. Unless and the when there's AI no variables, changed. you can find an optimal solution every time. But what if the AI, based on the order of attacks, changes what it's hitting you with so you well, can't that's the ai behavior is already determined by the code 
So all you have to know is the AI behavior and what triggers it to do what. So there is an optimal solution every time. There's no oh, randomness okay. well, in Okay, well, I would love to hear back from the dev to see what he says when he hears this. I'm sure he's going to either message or contact or write something. So I'm very curious about that. Okay, well, personally, I really like the combat in Thea. And once I figured out where I was going right and where I was going wrong, my enjoyment of the combat just went up tenfold. It's a very smart system, and it has some really, really cool combination possibilities. And especially now, with the introduction of the Vol, they have some really cool skills that have an effect on combat, that change combat. So they give you like a couple extra tools that you didn't have before. It's really fun what they can do. All right. So we're going to talk about things that we really enjoyed about the game. Okay. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is the climax, but we're not going to do it with spoilers. Okay. Uh, because that's a really cool thing you need to experience for yourself. But like the main quest and stuff yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like the main quest. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know a lot of people have struggled with Thea 2, mm -hmm. but I can tell you getting to the end and facing the final challenge, or really it's a series of challenges, mm -hmm. uh, is absolutely worth all the trouble you have to go through to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Muha Games has created a game that absolutely pays off for all the hardship you have to fight. And yeah. we that we played a lot of games, Nate, over the years where we, we that wasn't the case. Like, the you win screen at the end mm -hmm. is such an anticlimactic letdown that you're almost mad <laughs> that you played the game. Yeah. Right? Yes. Right? Yes. So, Thea is completely different. In that, wouldn't you say? Yes, I, I agree. And there are multiple, without and without spoilers, there are multiple branching paths at every stage of the quest, of the main quest and like the deity quest and stuff like that, that there are lots of different outcomes and it's cool. It's, I think, I think that there's another thing that we want to talk about with this, but I think it just kind of leads right into it, which is the writing in Thea is phenomenal. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah uh, like, why don't you talk the, about that some? Because you're absolutely correct. It is. Like, so part of it is that, like, doing the Kickstarter, so the, the main writer for Thea, uh, Mila Yuki, she is, uh, she's a fantastic writer, fantastic writer, knows her Slavic lore, really makes the quest interesting. And then you had, like, during the Kickstarter campaign, like, people that, uh, I guess, supported at certain levels got to uh submit their ideas for quests and things like that so they they did that they took their quests and then mila was like okay what can i do with it and she like made different quests and i'm constantly finding these little things that are really fun i want more and there's another thing i think that it leads into is that um i think that needs to follow this is modding because whatever is left over that's still missing that hasn't been added I've seen already a couple of mods that add quests for aquatic events or instances for aquatic events. And I've seen mods that add quests for terrestrial ones and some that are specific ones like quest chains. And that's the thing that they did is they, they at, at the end of Thea 1, they opened it up to modding. But the game just, there was only so much you can do. But in Thea 2, you can mod so many things. So I'm sure that there's, you know, there's a way to mod in more cosmic seeds. I've seen new classes. I've seen skills. Like one of the issues with the game is like overlap of certain skills, like I had mentioned earlier. So I've seen a mod that kind of combines certain skills together so you don't see 
the same things and there's all so you know they did they did a good job it's like good writing interesting story interesting gods like you know and then they they also have some voice acting that's really good i i enjoy it uh i wish there was more of it and um yeah and and i'm also in the game too so (laughs) yeah no doubt uh when it comes to modding like i've never used mods before Mm -hmm. i just never bothered with them before until Mm -hmm. this game and now i use them and which mods do you use um just some of the story packs things like that Mm, i was thinking of using them but i haven't used any yeah it's fun like they really do enhance the game and um i would encourage people to stay away from like the really cheaty ones yeah yeah like there are some now now i don't know maybe if you just want to play the game a little bit mm-hmm. and you're like i don't want to put up with all this i think there's mods that'll let you unlock all the cards or something like that mm. and uh yeah i mean go ahead i guess but um yeah the mods are really good want, yeah the, there's there's ones for extra buildings and there's one for more portraits have you seen that one yes more portraits that was fan- that's a fantastic one there's so lots of that. lots of good things there uh i also want to talk about the new resources for a little yes. bit like yes. the tier four, tier five resources, um, these these are really great. They're yes. really great. First off, I love the names. Like yes. they have these really cool names, like Forgotten Essence or Void Secret Spark. Alloy Void or Spark Igneous. Plus. Yeah, Igneous Spike. Like these different things. So they have these really evocative names and uh, the icons for them, the little pictures for them. You wouldn't think that'd be such a big deal. But they're they're fantastic. They're so cool. Like mm-hmm. you want to research up to that thing so you can collect some of it and then make something out of it. So they've really encouraged players to attack the research trees to unlock this stuff so you can see what it's like. Mm. And I, I just I just love it. You know how else you can collect them, right? Uh, well, yeah, you can get them. I, I mentioned it in the in the. Um, yeah, but fighting in, the really strong mobs in the in the review. I mentioned that in the review that gotcha. Uh, they they intend for you to really earn the tier four and five materials through adventuring rather than through crafting. But um, you know, also like I said, crafting is more of what Thea is all about. So I was a little bit disappointed to see that. But another thing we we haven't mentioned yet, Nate, is um, the the seasons. Mm-hmm. of the game mm-hmm. and uh the day night cycle so this is mm-hmm. seasons are new we had day night in thea one mm-hmm. but seasons are new uh you want to tell everybody about those yeah so you have uh, you have the four seasons summer spring i mean we're in the wrong order so you go uh winter spring summer fall and each season has different bonuses and within the, so for example i believe in um in the fall, you get bonuses to building. In the spring, you get bonuses to healing. Healing. In the summer, you get bonuses to uh, your experience points. You get half ex- a experience yeah experience point. from events from events. No, from um, gathering. Gathering. And in the winter, you get what do you get in the winter? Fifty percent XP bonus for events. I think. I events, think that's how it works. Yeah. But then you also have malices. Can, right. So during the winter, food consumption and uh, re- and uh, wood consumption goes up. And then you have then not only do you have the day night cycle. So during the day, like some monsters are calmer, you're less likely to be attacked. And at night, you're hot, 
your chance of being attacked is much higher. But you also have weather pattern like uh, wind or you have rain or and that has an impact. You can have it only giving you positive benefits or you can have it turned on to give you negative benefits too. So like too much, like a sunny day is good, but a day that's really hot is bad because it saps your energy. So there's all these things, all these environmental things going on. So, you know, um, I, I like it. And, and then, of course, there's the graphics involved. So as the seasons change, each island looks different. And like during... Uh, like there's a particular night event, which is a really spooky night. So you hear like all these spooky sounds and, you know, you all your characters are like scared and it's, it's fun. It's, they did a good job with that too. I mean, they did so many good things with Thea too. And the bad things are small, but there's enough of them that new players, like you say, you know, the filthy casuals, not that I'm calling the players filthy casuals this is i call myself a filthy casual okay good i can call you filthy casual you can call me a filthy casual i'm a filthy casual i'm not a hardcore strategy game player um like if you were to put me and oliver in a strategy game against each other he's gonna whip me every time because i just just don't have the desire to really figure out like the best solution to every game i just want to immerse myself and have a good time right that's it so I'm so, a filthy casual guy. All right. Um, Troy, filthy casual, classic. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So we were talking. So that's kind of I like that. And then we had a re- about the factions and the villages. But again, uh, just to reiterate, their addition is great because in the first game you didn't really see them. They kind of just showed up in your village if you had the right buildings, which made sense for the first game. You know. Yeah. But for everybody this one, was just waking up. Yep. And this time around, what's happening is also makes sense. I like, I like, so there's kind of a, a bit of a controversy about the islands. And like some people don't like it. Some people do like it. I personally like it. What I wish is that there were more islands and yeah. not an elf island, just random Slavian type island that doesn't have a main village, just has a bunch of monster spawns or maybe some resources. Because the way it is now, like certain islands, like you can't get eggs on any island you can find them on elf island and i found them before on um, uh, dwarf island you know or maybe getting spices i found it on orc and i found it on elf so it's like there should be some islands that maybe have more so maybe you can build your village there and you have encounters that are dwarf encounters and elf and orc so it's and maybe more seasonal encounters i i feel like there's there's room for them to add stuff Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I love the islands. I didn't at first. I was, right. I think that on a weekly exchange, I said I'm skeptical about this, and then mm-hmm. the more I played, the more I was like, this, this is the best. This, this is the best. Every every game needs to do this. Like yes. having these these islands is just like this makes it so much more fun, and you feel like you're accomplishing things. So there we are with that. Um, one of the things that I think might be overlooked about the game or underappreciated is that scum saving is allowed. Yes. And not only is it allowed, it's recommended. They, it, for it's, new players. it's they've yeah, they've actually enabled it more with one of the recent patches where it used to be before, like let's say you're about to have a kid born mm-hmm. or not born, a uh, transition to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And you save because you know that's coming up. And the kid would become an adult and you'd get your choices. And 
you want to take a risk, maybe let them go out in the woods and commune with the spirits because maybe they'll come back as a ghost or a banshee or something really strange that'll be powerful. And instead they come back as like a scoundrel, which is a very weak character. And so you would go to the menu, load, reload the game, play that out again, and you get the same result every time. Well, it's because it's already predetermined. Like there was no randomness there. So a recent patch let the randomness come back. So now when you would load that save, a new random number generator would, would trigger and you could potentially get a different result. Whereas before the result was already predetermined. So like they've enabled it, which uh, scum saving, obviously the tone of the word, right? Nate has a mm-hmm. negative connotation. Just a little bit. But I mean, Thea 2 is plenty hard enough. And until you learn it, I don't think there's any reason you should make it extra hard on yourself. So yes. scum save away. Then don't apologize. Don't feel bad for it. Yeah. And Just don't the, tell anybody and you'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, the devs have already helped support it. So clearly it's fine with them. And Agreed. So it's not some kind of sin to some scum save and Thea too. Just do what you got to do. Uh, next, we want to talk about traveling with ship. Which we've done actually which, several times. Which we've already done. I think we talked about it so much because it's so much fun. Yep. Like uh, we mentioned those events where you might have to throw your pets overboard to <laughs> save yourself from the sharks. That's uh-huh. really cool. Uh, you we should need be allowed more to throw. Those. We need more of those. Need more of those. And they should let you throw children overboard. No. Okay, dude, that's just you. I don't know what it is. I think children. that's hilarious. Oh, my Not, goodness. I dude, think that's so I don't funny. know about that. I don't know about that. Uh. Also, like I mentioned in the review, like when you travel in a ship, it is scary because, I mean, you, you're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. You could lose a lot. So when you get to that next island and the little thing pops up and says, you know, whatever, congratulations, you reached the Orc Island. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you did something. Yes. Like you, you, you survived the first island. You built your boat, which was not easy. You, you got to the coast and you sailed in a direction, the fog of war is there, so you have a general idea where the next island is, but not a perfect idea. Mm-hmm. You survive the events, and you arrive, and it, it is. Uh, it, it feels so good. It feels well, so good to hit that new island, especially the first time you do it. Well, I disagree about not knowing where the island For some reason, in Thea, when you click, maybe, maybe it's a setting. Maybe there's something off with my settings. I'll have to check my settings. But when I look at the world map, it shows me exactly where all the islands are. Uh, It gives you a general idea. But when you set off, you don't know if you're exactly going the right way. And you have Mm. to adjust course as you go. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't find that as a But yes, it's definitely good. I like it on on the water. Because there's some fun events I want more of. So let's talk about the latest DLC, which was free. Mm-hmm. And all of Muha Games' DLC for Thea is free. Well, okay, with one exception. But anyway, their main DLC, everything you would think of as DLC, is free. Content that way DLC. Thea 1. So that's awesome. That's great. And, Nate, why don't you tell us about some of the new things in the latest DLC, The well, Return of the Vole. So the Vole are basically male magic user otherwise known as i would call them warlocks but um yeah so there's two there's the there's the vol and there's the gusla so the gusla are basically the 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 male magic user who wasn't strong enough to become a warlock 
So they become a gooseland set. So they focus more on science and rituals type stuff. Whereas the warlock, you know, it's basically like having a witch, just the male version. They have very different skill sets. They have some amazingly cool skills, as do the gooseland. There's a quest that's very cool. I don't want to spoil anything. It has a lot of interesting aspects to it, but it's cool. It has some cool outcomes. And um, additional, of course, they added some more art and uh, character art for the Vol and the Goosler, really good. And um, the, another major thing from this DLC is they did uh, rituals. They added a whole bunch of rituals. That's one of the things that we've been asking for. And they added all kinds of rituals, like like amazing ones. Like you can summon pets. You can summon uh, somebody to aid your party for a certain amount of turns if you're willing to give up like tier three, tier four, and tier five materials. You can uh, strengthen some of your skills, which makes perfect sense. You can like, give yourself bonuses for a few turns for various things. So yeah, they, they did. That was that was a really good DLC, considering that it was free. Yeah, especially considering it was free. So like, you could give your like if you know you're gonna have a tough fight coming up. Mm-hmm. You can give yourself a strength bonus using these rituals for a couple turns, mm-hmm. and then you go take on that fight. And so, like, if your party is dwindling, you have these options to cast these rituals to bring your strength back up. And I think that's one of the best things about the rituals is it makes death less hopeless, which I am going to talk about a little bit more later. So okay. the one DLC you have to pay for sort of is uh. like buy the devs pizza like you can give them a few bucks it's like what is it Nate like five six bucks something I like think that? it's seven bucks yeah well that's the thing is it's not a tip it's not a DLC with content yeah it's like hey we love you guys you're awesome some more money there's no guilt involved there's no nothing this is like hey you're you're doing this for us here's a way we can thank you further spread the good word out in the first game, they did it with coffee, you know, so. Yeah, so, like, you just get, like, I don't know, some extra art, and, you know, you, you give the devs a little bit of extra money. It's kind of like at giving them a tip for yeah. a job well yeah. done. So, yeah. it's not even really deals. So you, it's just something extra you can do as a nice thing to say thank you to the devs, and uh, I know they appreciate it, because who doesn't like pizza, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so. Alright, so we've talked a lot about the things that we've enjoyed about the game, things that we liked. But mm-hmm. like I said in my review, it was a soft recommend. And so we're going to kind of talk about some of the reasons it was a soft recommend here now. So here's some of the problems with the games, or with this game in particular. And the first problem I want to discuss is visibility. And when it's nighttime or when it snows, it is virtually impossible to see much of anything. And when it's night and it's snowing mm, yeah like the the screen is almost i mean other than the ui elements the screen is almost entirely useless there's no reason to bother looking at it because you can't see anything now i understand making it difficult for the characters in the game to right see. so right. like reducing their visibility where the map is you know you know you might bring in like the fog of war the haze of war whatever you want to call it uh you know, just the tiles that are uh, where you could see, for instance, if there was a stack of enemy monsters or um, a, a resource that was there. Right? I understand reducing that. That's fine. Uh, but when the player looks at the screen and sees almost nothing, 
other than white dots on a black background, that that's a problem. And uh, it makes it, it really takes you out of the game, makes it less fun to play. Uh, nighttime should look like night vision goggles, only instead of green, it should be maybe uh. blue. Uh, but you should be able to see the outlines of all the hexes, all the um, the terrain. Like I should know where the mountains are. I should know where the ravines and rivers are uh, because I'm the player, okay? And I should be I should be able to have access to the game elements at all time. Uh, this isn't a game based on like my dexterity or my visual acuity. That's not the that's not the purpose of Thea Two. Thea Two is not about those. It's not a real time game or a puzzle solving game or anything like that. So like I've got I've got real problems with nighttime and snow. Rain doesn't seem to be a problem, but nighttime and snow, especially when they're together, uh, I hate the way it makes the screen look because it's just hard to see. Yeah, okay. I I can see I, I don't know if I completely agree, but um for me during night and snow the screen gets grainy. Yeah. I, I have a high resolution monitor so like I see the details like it's almost like there's a filter that's been passed over it. So it'd be I'd be curious to hear more from them about it, but yeah. Okay, so that's one. What's the next thing? Um one thing that makes the game really hard uh, especially for new players, and especially if they're playing on an easy, uh, an easier level, let's say, is that enemy stacks don't disappear when they win. They just keep attacking you over and over until everybody in your party is gone. And that's something that either needs to be eliminated entirely or at least eliminated at the lower difficulty levels. If you have the Lightbringers attack you and they win, fine. That, that's acceptable. But when the very next turn they attack you again, when you're already weakened, you can't fend that off. And so that that game's going to be a loss. You've got no recourse. Everybody's just going to die. And that's no fun. That gives players a sense of helplessness and hopelessness, which drives them away from Thea, which is very clear from the feedback that I've read in the stories and the reviews, is once you start losing, especially in the early game, you end up in this death spiral and you can't get out. There's, there's no way to get out. And so those enemy stacks, I think, need to disappear after they win. Mm. That's a tough one. So from a player's perspective, doing just like game mechanics, I, I understand what you're saying. But from a lore mechanic or continuity or immersion, I don't agree with you. Because think about it. If a stack just whooped your ass and you escaped, why would it disappear? It's like it wants well, more. Well, because it no longer considers you a threat. It doesn't they mean it's not going to... You're gone. Listen. I mean, you're, you, you've learned your lesson. So they no, move on. No. It's hard to discern the Lightbringer's motivation, especially in the early game. No spoilers. The, the, no spoilers. the stacks are bullies. Yeah. A playground bully does not move on after the playground bully is whooped well, your ass. you can go find somebody else to bully. No, them. no, 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 no. That's not... So once you become a target for a bully, you stay a target for a bully. And that you, makes for a really fun game, Nate. Well, like playground bullies, how you handle it is you whoop their ass twice as hard. 
and you embarrass them. So when the principal comes and <laughs> calls you to the office and says it's all your fault, then your parent shows up and your parent tells the principal and then profanity. I'm about to give you, just imagine me profaning like crazy. That's what, you know, you tell the principal. And when the principal gives you attitude, that's when you bring a lawyer and then the principal. Oh, my goodness, Nate. No, this is Dude. not how you resolve conflicts. Dude. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> no, no. My point <laughs> is this. The point I'm making is this. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with you. Definitely early on, it's it's pretty brutal. They've put in mechanisms to help alleviate some of it, meaning that after you engage one stack, however it resulted in, you can disengage from the other ones. But if you're out of movement points, then it's going to be like some kind of a party and you're going to be the main guest of honor and the stuff that will be done to you. <laughs> will not be fun. So I, I know what you're saying. I don't have an elegant solution. And my um, little diatribe there with the handling of bullies and whatnot was, uh, I have young kids. So I have all these things in my mind that I've had to deal with already with that stuff. So maybe uh, I'll talk about yes. it offline sometime. I, I hope the principal of your children's oh, school is listening. Cause, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure she does. It sounds like she would. She uh, she loves <laughs> me. Are you kidding me? Like when when there's a parent that's needed to help out, if she ever says, "Hey Nate, we need help," I'm there. Most parents, "Hey, we need help." They're like, "Yeah, good for you. Here's five bucks. Leave me alone." So, anyways, All right. moving on. Yeah. So moving on. I want to talk about those card costs again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're they don't seem on whole balanced in the yeah. whole game. Yeah. Against each other, they're balanced. Um. But but getting them I and then um, also like building your your party like at the beginning, mm. um, it almost seems like there needs to be a way you could spend your your god points on getting an extra slot because mm. there's there's like isn't well, that's a good idea? Yeah, it, it just seems like um, you know especially the way you can uh, adjust your points for difficulty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least like your, let's say, starting party size, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you should maybe have, like, be able to unlock an extra slot or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, like if you fully opened up a god or something. Or yeah, something. Some. Oh yeah, maybe maybe that would work. Something like that. Um, but just maybe it's already there. I just haven't opened one. Oh, uh, that could be. That maybe that maybe there is a way we just don't know because we, right. we haven't played that deeply into it. But the card costs seem too high uh, for like the low level bonuses, or maybe there's not enough low level cards that somebody just starting out can unlock and feel like they're making progress with just getting one or two god points a game and like being able to increase the total number of card slots available, there needs to be some mechanism for that. And I, I think that would really improve the game there. Because people, like, they, they feel futile playing the game. And that that's not something you want to see uh, in, in any game that you're hoping to succeed, is people feel like it's just futile to play. And so, I don't know. Is there anything you want to add about card costs? Uh, I think we kind of address that earlier when we when we were hypothesizing how to fix it and essentially if we would just get an extra god point here and there for completing the main quests and the 
the deity quests and like maybe if there's some chains in there, like quest chains that were really difficult, stuff like that. I think I think that would alleviate a lot of it. As far as the balance goes, there's you see, there's a back and forth there. On the one hand, a perfectly balanced game is not fun either. You want to have unbalanced. The question is, where is it? And then also there's the thing of if you open up a card for one of the deities and this card can be used at another deity, well, you get it there already. So you technically, by opening up this one common card, you opened it up for multiple deities, whereas before that wasn't the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at uh, why people are bouncing off the game. Well, and this seems to be one of the reasons. It's just, again, it, it's kind of like the tooltips. It's not enough information. You know, we like the majority of people don't know as much about it as they should. So they're not, you know, wanting to invest or maybe they were expecting a different game. And that's where playing the demo will really help them figure that out, I think. So anybody <laughs> that's on the fence, play the demo. Yeah, yeah. So next we're going to talk about a couple of the skills. Luck in oh. brute force, yeah, and whether or not they are worth the trouble. What do you no. think about those two? I I don't understand what luck does luck? because there's there's two versions of luck. Yes, there is. Yeah. So one version of luck, I know exactly what it does. The other version of luck says like, oh, it increases your chance from random, good and bad. I guess I never pick luck anymore, ever, and I can't tell the difference. So I have a feeling that. There are a couple of skills. There are a couple of cards. There are a couple of things still within the game that might have some kind of a benefit, but it doesn't work right. It's how I see it. Personally, some of there are certain skills that have an overlap. And like we like I had said earlier, it doesn't make sense when your two options are basically for the same thing. Like brute right. force, I just don't get brute force. Like I can't think of any instance where I've ever taken brute force over something else. Even on a character that is weak in a particular skill, like they have very low perception, I will still take the perception skill over brute force. Yeah, it just seems like those two things... Like, luck can increase the amount of uh, materials you get when you beat a monster. or oh, i never the, noticed that. Yeah, or the tier that you get. But oh. you don't know at what degree that is, and that isn't necessarily even useful because it might not trigger. And right. so, like, it, it's hard to know. Like, when you get a level up point for a character, that's really a big deal. Um, you know, those who have struggled with the game probably haven't leveled up their characters enough to survive, or they haven't been picking well with their picks. Maybe they've been putting their picks in luck and brute force, which really don't do that much for you, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and as a, as a result, they get slaughtered. But the, here's these options. I mean, luck has a really cool icon with it. Why not pick that? Maybe that'll help. You know, I think people might even think that'll help me in combat. Maybe my guy might hit harder or mm. might avoid getting hit or something like that because that's how luck can work in other games. And it doesn't work like that at all in Thea 2. Well, and... they added tooltips, so you can mouse over a lot of stuff now. Like, it, it's improving. Yeah. Definitely is improving. But at the same time, even the even the information that you get sometimes for, like, what they give for luck, it's it's a cute quip. I like the quip, but it doesn't help me. 
So it's I not just, informative. Yeah, I don't pick it. I don't pick luck, and I don't pick brute force. When when I and like I wish, I wish there was an option where you could pick option C, which is neither of the above. And yeah, like, just give it to you random somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Like I would never. I I don't know. I don't pick luck. I don't pick luck, and I don't pick brute force. Yeah, yeah. Me neither. I tend to avoid them. Um, they don't seem useful enough to ever choose to me. Yep. Uh, so next, um, I want to talk about. Well, I want to take a second to talk about death in the game because we okay. were just talking about that with luck and brute force. Maybe people are choosing these and getting killed. I don't feel like death gives you like enough. So like when one of your characters dies in Thea two, especially particularly in the early game, like in the late game, you can afford to have some people die. It's usually mm-hmm. not a big deal. In the early game, maybe even the mid, like you should get something to help offset that character's death. Like I'm thinking you should get like two, like at the reward section at mm-hmm. the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. like there's the pile of rocks with the sword in it and mm-hmm, everybody's mm-hmm. sad because so-and-so died. You should get like two experience points, two research points per level of that character who died. Okay. If you did that, why? Why? Yeah. Because that offsets that loss for the player. No, but then like, that adds meaning to death, essentially. And in reality, there's very seldom any to that can i can name you hundreds of people off the top of my head who's the only benefit of their death would have been people going out and getting getting drunk well celebration of their death not let's not let's not be that dark instead let's look at this more as uh i'm not more as i'm not being dark like i can't (laughs) seriously think of anybody who's died and i have learned something from like i've sat back and i'm like Wow, I've I've become smarter as a result of their death, or I, you know, my spirits have been lifted that they died, and I'm not a mean person. They're just really horrible people. I can see that maybe, maybe, you just, maybe your yellow goes up or your purple goes up. You get like a plus one, a temporary bonus mm. that way. <laughs> You're a terrible person. I'm thinking would, about this on, more. I'm a, uh, I'm a terrible as, uh, person. You want to throw kids overboard, and well, I'm a terrible yeah. person. Nice. That's kind of entertaining, though. Uh, the thing is, I'm thinking about this more like an inheritance. Like, when that person dies, so you get I mean, right. I know they're leaving their stuff behind. Yeah. But, like, I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the reaction that's been to this game, Nate. Characters mm. die, people quit the game. They don't try again. Mm. So what would keep them going? Well, if all their characters got two XP, and then two points per level were, like, added to, you know, your research bar as it goes around the circle... Um, I'm not saying like two advancement points or whatever they call it to unlock um, resources or crafting. I'm just talking about, you know, like the research points you can research when you're at a camp or something like that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, two per level. So you lose a level five character. You get 10 experience points. You get 10 points towards your next research level. Uh, that would make a person go, okay, I lost lost a couple characters, but all my other characters just leveled up. And I got another uh, unlock for research. I think I'll stick with this. I think people would keep playing through tough losses if they got some kind of reward like that that would help offset the death of the character. I got a In the late one. game, that's not really going to matter so much because the I XP costs get really, really high to level up. 
And once you research enough things, honestly, researching the next thing is um, only marginally useful. Like when you have max axes or max heavy armor, like unlocking uh, spears all the way, for instance, is not a big deal. Like that's not really going to help you. So at the late game, I don't think that's a, a very powerful bonus. But in the early game, I think it would keep people going when ordinarily they just quit and write a negative review on Steam. Uh, I got a better one. Oh, yeah? Tell me about it. Ghost. Mm. Or a bad. That's an interesting idea. A chance to get a ghost? Yeah, depending on the characters, you say, or the strength, or the personality. Maybe you get a ghost or a banshee, or maybe uh, you get, like, a pet. Maybe the person possesses a local animal and you get a pet so even though you like, lost uh, a, like a bear like there's that quest with a little girl who's trapped as a bear right right or uh, maybe if they had the creepy trait they yep. turn into a ghost when they die yeah or a vampire or something i don't know oh yeah there you go okay and depending something on like the that. god you have something something like that that's one way to offset it so to make death more interesting i suppose but i don't know about like <laughs> I, I like my solution of getting a temporary boost to one of the skills. Or maybe if they die, now you have a vendetta against whoever killed them. So you go hunt them. You know, you want to go hunt them and you get... Well, the problem is... Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you probably aren't going to be able to take them down. Right. Uh, well, but that's, that's what a vendetta is about. Hello, my yeah, name that, is that's Amigo the problem. That's the problem. You, you got to get some kind of immediate bonus. I like that, where you might end up with a replacement character of some kind. Uh, well, not even a character, a like a new pet or something, or, you know? or something like that. Those are, or maybe yeah. they possess your sword as a vengeance, yeah, you and get your a sword really cool gets sword. like a bonus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one of your swords, your changes. sword upgrades or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all those. Why not do all those? Sometimes you get XP and research points. Yeah. Sometimes you get a ghost. Yeah. Sometimes you get a pet. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes you get a you new get a outfit. Quest, sometimes you, know? you get. Sometimes you get a new outfit. You skin them and you make a new jacket. I don't know. Oh my goodness, Nate. That's oh, fun. that would work if like your rocker died. Let's say you have a rocker that dies, and yeah, I've you never can had make a, uh, like a, a breastplate out of them. I've never had a rocker die. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> the rocker is not the rocker is the one that survives. Everybody else. In... Yeah, good point. Good point. All right, so I want to talk about the hump. Now, what's the hump? The hump is the part you get over, and the game is no longer difficult. So okay. if basically in Thea two, if you can craft enough level three gear to outfit your party you're not losing that game unless you just i mean unless you do something really stupid and even then you just load up your last save uh once you get over that hump the the game actually becomes pretty easy uh i don't think i've ever really been challenged by the end game except maybe the climax at the end uh, because once you get your characters outfitted you're good man dragon bone armor or let's say mithril armor weapons uh you're pretty much set um dragon scale armor you know for your guys that can't wear the plate mm -hmm. like it, at that point the game gets pretty easy and mm -hmm. so like i think that's a problem of balance as well it's like the the early game is way too tough and the late game gets to be too easy and i think that's something that they they ought to uh look at addressing Mm -hmm. is like where that getting over the hump is maybe you need a bit more than just level three gear what do you think have you experienced the hump 
Yes. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about. I'm not yeah. bothered by it because I'm trying to open up stuff, but I know what you mean. I still sometimes play out just to see what happens. and Well, you get those points. Like, you need those points, right, right to unlock right. the cards. Yeah. But there, there's a point where, you know, you feel like, okay, I'm good. I made it. I made it. I don't have to worry anymore. I'm not scared. Uh, I just can't be stupid. Right. Right? Right. You can't go attack the ice demon city. That would be dumb. Uh, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. I did it before, too, once by accident. Oh, no, I do it on purpose. It turned out bad. I do it on purpose. It's fun. Oh, man. But anyway, yeah. So uh, next I want to talk about crafting. And I was feeling this myself, and I I was surprised to see other people did, too, is that crafting in Thea 2 kind of lacks the wonderful randomness of Thea 1. Like, in Thea 1, you might make an axe or something. Mm-hmm. that gave you a bonus to crafting. Or you might make uh, a piece of jewelry that added to your attractiveness. And it was just kind of weird how the different materials gave you bonuses to things you wouldn't necessarily expect. Mm-hmm. Well, in Thea 2, pretty much everything, again, is very deterministic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter so much what type of material you use, whether it's wood or leather or metal. If it's the same tier, it's basically giving you the same bonuses. And what really matters is the little essence icon that's next to each type of material. And so that takes this gorgeous tech tree of different materials with these very evocative names that are intriguing that you want to get and kind of makes them very generic and interchangeable with each other. So like the difference between... Secret Alloy and Igneous Spike is negligible. Now, the one exception is, um, like, working with bones. Bones seem to do a little bit more than other materials. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's all essentially the same. There's no material that gives you extra poison damage, for instance, like there was in um, Thea 1. Or First Strike or whatever it was, you know. Or extra gathering. Like, if you build uh, your shield out of um, Enchanted Bone, you don't get a bonus to Gathering, which wouldn't make sense, but that's what made Theo 1 so cool. Things didn't make sense. Uh, (laughs) Life Drain does exist, so I mean, like, there are certain materials that'll give you Life Drain, which is cool, but again, it's not... It's it's more about the tier and the essence rather than the exact material you were using. And uh, I kind of miss that from Thea 1, just the the wacky things. Oh, and, like, randomness when you craft it with gems. Like, just the weird things that could happen. You even, like, get really bad items from crafting with gems. You right. know? It, like, I, I miss the I miss the randomness and the weirdness from Thea 1. Now everything's so deterministic. It really doesn't matter which direction you go. You're going to end up with about the same thing. Mm. Okay, yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. I don't has that really bothered know. you at all, or have you just not noticed? No, it hasn't bothered me. Yeah. I'm too busy enjoying the comp. Well, that's true. I mean, if you want to just play the game more like a role-playing game rather that's, than that's how I do it, like a uh, a crafting game, then you're. I don't think you're going to notice that. Yeah, I enjoy I mean, the the gathering and the crafting and the building things up a lot, and so like this is something that I noticed. So. Yeah. But if you want to play it more like. Um, a strategy game version of Baldur's Gate, then I don't think that's going to bother you at all. Set in the Slavian myth. Set in the Slavian myth, which is really good. Really good. All right, what else you got? Um, 
I'd like to see a bit more quality of life. I'd like to see more tooltips. I'd like to see double-click when trading with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, moving things over when you're creating a new party. Like, the drag and drop kind of leads to more, like, lag and drop. Yeah. Uh, and, like, there's so many times I've gotten frustrated where I'll click on a thing and I'll start to drag. And it doesn't register that, so it grabs the thing that was next to the thing I wanted to drag. Uh, are you using a mouse? Yeah. What do you use? I don't know. I, I use a mouse, too, <laughs> or I use the trackpad. Uh, I am licking my touchscreen, and that's the problem. <laughs> Dude, you're a filthy casual. Who knows? I am a filthy casual. That's I barely see the screen because it's got all my drool on it. Yeah, you might be using uh, your toes. I don't know. That That's the problem. Uh, I'd like to be able to right-click. Uh, outside of menu to close it. I mm-hmm. think that's pretty standard nowadays. So, are there any quality of life issues you would want to um, micromanage? Micromanagement. micromanagement. Yeah. That's like, like what? So, part of my crafting issue is like, I wish there was a way for me to have, like, okay, I'm making this, 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 and this so many times. So, every time that I set up my non, you kind of have a way of doing it as a favorite. But you still have yeah. to assign people and you have to move stuff around constantly, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wish I could just have like, okay, when my when my warband is encamped, this is what you do. These two people, no matter what, they're doing research. These two people are collecting resources, the, the you know, the resources that take the most amount of turns, the ancient wood or something like that, you know, diamonds or whatever, you know? And these two people are working on cooking re- these recipes. So it should be automatic. You know, another thing I want, so they kind of did this a little bit, but I want more. So they did this when they added some rituals and when they added like, you know, idle people working on research type of thing. But here's the thing. I think if you have warriors, right, and hunters that are idle, I think that they should have like overflow jobs too that are specific to warriors. So you have two slots to guarding the camp. So yeah. mm-hmm. if a party sneaks up on you and you have two people guarding on a guard duty that because they see the party sneaking up on you, then they reduce by one skull the encounter. Or maybe if you have hunters that are stalking prey, you know, things of that nature, like some stuff to do for some, like the gatherers are going to be gathering and the crafters are going to be crafting. And, you know, you have things like that, but maybe some of your party members that normally are just, you're not using them for anything or there's just not enough slots for you to do stuff you assign them to these other tasks they already added the rituals and they already added the research so maybe you create something that's for those classes that would be nice and just with the buildings like half the time i don't know what they're doing like their buildings like oh you get a tier three resource can i please get some kind of notification telling me what resource i got because in the village, yeah, really, when yeah. I, right? When I have like three or four tiles out, and I have thirty people collecting stuff, can you please tell me what they're collecting? Since you already have, like, oh, you collected one hundred and twenty fish, or you collected this, and then I got diamonds. Uh, from who got diamonds? Can you please tell me? You know, thing like that kind of stuff. So if I'm mouse over, I know who they are from the main screen. I don't actually have to click on. Oh, this yeah. to open that, you know, just like yeah, it could tell you like how many you got from each village. Let's say you had two villages, right? Yes, in a camp. Yes, let's, let's say. Uh, so we'd mouse over. You got ten diamonds from village name one, ten from village name two, and 
Uh, Expedition you, you, 1 picked up You sort of have that now when you have a party encounter so you can see who's involved. Right. But we need that for, you know... Like when you, yeah, when you mouse over the little icon uh, yep. uh, above the end turn button. Yep. Yep. Man, that's yep. a smart idea, Nate. I like that. Thank you. So that's what I want. That's And did I mention I want more cooking recipes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I still want a cook class. We have the art for like oh yeah, art, yeah, yeah. I we agree. need to have a cook. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. In, yeah. in a war band of thirty people or thirty somebody individuals, should be a chef. somebody needs to be the cook. Somebody needs to make the chili. Where's the damn chili? Lecho is not good enough. I want damn chili. <laughs> All right. Well, next I want to talk about the target audience for this game. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like when they were designing Thea two, mm-hmm. they designed the game with the hardcore audience in mind. And I think the reason they did that is because when Thea 1 came out, there were tons of posts in the Steam forums begging them to make the game harder. And so they'd come out with a patch that made the game harder. Mm-hmm. And people were still like, you gotta make it harder. So they come out with a DLC that made the game harder. People were like, you gotta make it harder. And so every patch and every DLC added more difficulty to the game until those people finally said, oh yeah, now you got it. Now the game is hard. And they did. Like, you play Thea 1 on max difficulty? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and try that. Yeah, I have. It's hard. Yeah. It's really tough, okay? But most people don't do that. Right. Most people play, I would probably say, in the bottom third of the difficulty. That's where all your filthy casuals like me are. Mm-hmm. Well, instead with this game, it looks like they, they started with that small group of people who were asking for more and more difficult, and they made that the default game. And the casual people are looking at this, and they're getting crushed. And they're like, yeah. How? I'm getting crushed. I see all these cards that can cost 25 points uh, to unlock. I'm getting two a game. Am I going to have to play 12 games and getting crushed to unlock one card that I want to mm-hmm. see? You know? So I think you the hard the hardcore strategy gamers, the ones that are like the the super players, and we have some in our community, and I value them so much because they add so much to the conversation. Like the guys that go in and they whip the AIs in mm-hmm. every game, and they say, "Here's where the AIs are the problems," mm-hmm. and then the devs know. Like I think Galsiv's AI is as good as it is today because of some of the members we have in our community that would go in and say, yeah, uh, it took me 100 turns to beat the game this time. <laughs> you know, we're like, 100 turns, I'm just getting started. Yeah, right. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, when I see them post that, I'm like, okay, good for you. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> you know, so it seems like Thea 2 is aimed at the super hardcore player, but that's not where people, most people are. They're the filthy casuals like me who just want to come in and enjoy a good story because Thea has a good story. They're there for the story, not for the strategy. And so uh, I think Thea 2 here has, has missed the, the, the mark for the audience that wanted it by a little bit, not by a lot. Because I, th- I think death and dying are part of the game. you got to be able to accept that. But at the same time, there's a difference between having some characters die and getting a total party wipe the first three or four times you play. And that's no fun for anybody. So I, I would encourage them to, to again, reevaluate the early game 
and um unless you all come back as ghosts yeah they, they've got to they've got to do something because they're they're clearly not pleasing the audience that would be interested in this or i shouldn't even say that because like i'm a filthy casual right mm-hmm. but i figured the game out right and i'm good now it did take so, me a while. Wait, so are you still a filthy casual, or uh, you moved up to the? I'm, I'm not. I'm not uber hardcore. That's for sure. I'm not hardcore. That, yeah, so that's the problem. Is you have the you ha- you have the filthy casuals, and then you have the the strategy grog. What is it? The strategy grognards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, you have the PC Master Race, or are they above the strategy <laughs> grognards? We need like one or two more designations to like yeah. flesh yeah. it out. We, we need to help the filthy casuals move up into the <laughs> accomplished veteran, let's say. Okay. No, there has to be something before accomplished veteran. Yeah. Red oh. shirt. Red shirt. Oh, no. I, a red that. shirt is better than a filthy casual. Yeah. Okay. A filthy casual isn't even good enough to be a red shirt. All right. So um, let's talk about annoying events. We talked about it a little bit. Yeah. What else would you like to say about those? They're annoying. Those yeah. two events make me not want to found village. Something I cannot tell you how much I raged. And here's the messed up thing. So I believe the person that posted that if you let them keep the items and you don't recover them, then this doesn't happen again. It's just I can't stand having that freaking yellow exclamation point yep. knowing that the bandits are sitting there you know eating my good food and you know entertaining themselves with my farm animals and uh doing weird things with my equipment i just can't handle it so i i here's the thing like i'm like vlad tepish when it comes to that i kill them i want to spike them around my village as a warning to the next set of idiots that comes and tries to steal something. <laughs> I want to have these spikes like protruding from their anuses coming out their skulls for all bandits to see that this is your fate if you steal from us. That should be an option. Please uh, add that. Yeah. Yeah. And I want I, the accompanying art, please. I uh, I'm 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 kind of with you on that. I don't have a problem with a village getting tagged like you know, I mean, when you're building your village, let's say you're building your village out of mithril or something like that. Like, yeah. you've gotten to a point where you're pretty accomplished in the game, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you're building your village out of tier one and two materials. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah, uh, I, I get it. I get it. But if, you're, if your village is built out of tier four, tier three, and tier four materials, people should be like, yeah, no, I, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'll go hang out at the bar over there. I'm not gonna oh, go okay, steal. so you're not you don't have a problem with maybe the village being challenged by some type of uh, like really strong monster. No, it's just the, these particular ones you find annoying. Yeah, like when you, it, it's implausible. It's it's you know if Ocean's Eleven went after the <laughs> casinos, I get it. But if you send the Three Stooges to rob the casinos, you know by the seventh time they would get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's, All right. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. That's I got there's you. An, there's another event like that that also ticks me off. Um, yeah, so I, we covered the one about the first strike, the preemptive strike one that doesn't make sense. Like, there's four people, and you have 30 people go up against them, and everybody takes damage. Like, it's it, a no matter what, you lose. Yeah. The <laughs> only thing you can do is you can bo- you can do the yellow challenge where they basically say something like, oh, 
yeah, okay, you're a badass, we're a badass, okay, we're both going to be badass. But then when you're really overwhelming, they're like, okay, here, take our stuff instead, and they take off. But still, like, you need to mitigate that. If you have a guard tower, nobody's coming near your village. The only people coming near your village are like a tent skull party or a dragon or something. They're like, ooh, guard tower. I'm going to go have fun there. But like these these little rinky-dink little scavenger groups, they're just like, nah, nah, nah. I don't want to do it. I, so, I, I could get behind that. I could get right. behind that. Well, I think I think we have complained enough. Let's get on to suggestions. Th- we've, we've already covered suggestions quite a bit. Oh, yeah, but man. Is there is there such thing as enough content in Thea? No, no. That's why mods. That's where like some of the mods that add like additional quests and some of the man that art mod. I'm gonna use it. I don't know how I'm gonna use. It. I don't know how to activate. I mean, I know how to activate it. It's just I read like people using mods that after an update they were having issues, but I don't know if it was like the story oh, mods. Yeah, what you gotta do? It's art. a little weird. You gotta you gotta load the game. Mm-hmm. Select the mods you want. Mm-hmm. It, they might already be selected, but you got to go to that screen. Mm-hmm. Then you got to close the game, and then you got to start the game again in I order see. to get it to work. And and so like some people like they give up to a little too easily. Uh, they get in, nothing works, and they're like, "Screw it, I'm done." And like all they had to do was just open up the game again. A second time, it would have been fine. And yeah, so that's all you got to do. Uh, I don't know if that's really unusual for mods. Like I said, I've never really modded a game before, so I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, suggestions for the future. Um, the starting island definitely needs a rebalance at easier difficulties. Uh, I found like if you can find rubies and shadow bones, you're gonna be good on that island. You're gonna be just fine. Mm-hmm. So I would say like if the difficulty modifier is 125 percent or less. Rubies and shadow bones and maybe even steel should be fairly abundant on the starting island. And then maybe at the highest difficulties, maybe those things don't exist on that island. Maybe you got to go to a different island to find rubies and shadow bone and steel. Because, uh, again, it's it's not the hardcore players, I think, that are bouncing off Thea. It's, it's plenty hardcore. It's... The people who are just trying to learn or came for the story that are having trouble. How do, right. how do you feel about the starting island? They've improved it. I mean, my biggest issue initially was not enough wood. That's true. Yeah. That was a real big problem for a long time. So, And then they were giving, like, you have the option now whether you have coal on the starting island. There's a difficulty option. I like that. Here's how I see it. I think you should have more options. There should be even more uh, versatility as to your starting island and that should also have an impact on difficulty so if you want to have rubies or any of the you know the tier two resources because the ruby is a tier two if i remember correctly it is right? but it's slightly better than topaz and malachite for whatever right. reason the bonuses you get are just slightly better right so if you have but if you have you should have that as a um toggable option mm-hmm you know, if you have that and steel or maybe silver or gold or whatever, you know, if you have those as toggleable options, that would be awesome. And then, um, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Because, like, your starting island essentially has three potential factions. You have right. the Slavians, yep. you have the Scavengers, and you have the Stingers. Right. So yeah. Slavians, yeah. Oh, and the Lightbringers. Yeah, but they're not really a faction. I've yet, I've never been able to... 
interact with him other than you you well there is a way um it's through oh, the elves you, right you gotta you you gotta have elves that's all yes. i'm gonna say no more spoilers i have elves and i still didn't have it uh, well that that's how you do it. You, you go through the elves I'll that's all to i'm gonna say okay all right well i kill them usually i don't like the light bringers uh yeah they are definitely bad uh so next thing i'd like to suggest is that they create one dlc it's just a scenario pack Mm. Instead of having like a full blown game, mm. you you have scenarios. Just you know, most forex games will have a, a scenario pack, right? You know, like sure. Civ has done mm. that forever, sure. right? Um, where maybe you have one or two islands, and you have a quest to play through. Okay, oh. and it's all scripted. You know, you got to do this quest. It's not like you're trying to explore, or beat the game, or whatever. And then at the end of it, you get a unique card that is available to all the gods. Because you beat that one Ooh, scenario. That's cool. I like that. So you might have to do something like collect a certain amount of tier five resource. Because, okay, because now it's a scenario, right? You mm. don't have to play by the game's rules. So maybe you could have tier five resources as something you could collect, but it's limited. Like, you, there's a hundred here, and you got to get 50 to this old wise man in a village at the other end of the island. So you can use it to make your weapons if you want, but you got to be careful. You can't mm. use too much. And so you got to carry that resource to the other end, and there's who knows what in the way of you getting there and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'd like to see a uh, a, a scenario pack. Like, I don't know, six or seven scenarios would be really fun. Uh, Mila's an excellent writer, so I'm sure, like, coming up with things for that would be no problem. Mm-hmm. And that'd be just something else for people to do, a different way to play the game. And maybe if somebody's struggling with the full game they can just play some scenarios and get used to it and learn that way and and get better at it what do you think no i like it it's a good idea yeah all right cool uh next thing i'd like to see them do in the future is add a helmet equipment slot and Mm. i think this would be kind of a unique situation where if they didn't want to change things at at the low level let's say they they're really happy with the starting island the way it is and they don't want to change it because it would mess things up later in the game well let's add a helmet equipment slot then okay and uh what that would do is it would give you extra either shielding or hit points for yellow attacks so mental attacks you would get extra hit points and shielding wait and is the, this a magneto helmet yeah maybe like a magneto helmet right <laughs> Versus... and um the 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 shielding and hit points you would get for let's say tier one and two materials would be pretty good but for three and up like the bonuses would would not scale very well. Like you wouldn't get a lot of extra hit points and shielding. That's how it is now already. Ha- well, maybe even to a higher degree. But other there goes the GTO. I don't know if you guys heard it or not. I was oh, talking geez. about how I got my windows open. Uh, but gonna- <laughs> but um anyway, like maybe something else the helmets could do is you if you build them out of tier four and five materials increase your vision range outside of a village. So if you got a character that's got a tier 5 helmet, maybe you can see it a couple extra hexes away. Mm. And that would be really useful to build a helmet out of that. Maybe the bonuses wouldn't be as good, but you got that extra vision range. And that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. So i like to see them do that. That's interesting. Um, also, let's see here. Uh, um, I'd, I'd like to see them add... Uh, more quest to the end game, kind of like we they did with the Giants DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you remember how like you kind of got an extra uh i don't know extra way to beat the game with the right. giants dlc in thea one yep yep that was a different win condition a different win condition there i was searching for the words Thanks. well that, it's, that, because, that, it's because we've this this uh audible extension is probably the longest one we've done and oliver is not involved and that's saying something yes so yes. it's really late at night and your yeah, neighbor yeah. is a jerk to be doing what he did at this late at night you yeah that's tell, a good point you want to tell people how late it is yes we are past 1 a.m yeah recording this and so yeah he's driving through our neighborhood like that if, um i'm not saying anything but if i had a neighbor that did something like that it is not out of the question that that they would never see that car again <laughs> threatening principles and automobiles not a threat it's just i happen to know people that know people i i believe you I believe you. So we were talking earlier in this podcast about uh, buildings, and I love the buildings. I know you're not as big a fan, but I love them, and I want to no. see more. I agree. I see I, more buildings. I'm a big fan. It's just half of them are useless. Well, okay. Like the trader's tent. I, I get the trading thing, but it doesn't do anything else for me. So Who are you know. trading with? Well, it's a different group every time. Um do you see so the like, group approaching your village? Yeah, and if you haven't contacted that group before, Wait, like it, it'll see, tell you. You. See, you see the group approach your village? Yeah. Oh, no. No. No, no it just kind of happens randomly. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's like some of the things that happen are just, you know, you. it needs more representation. But, of course, that's that's money spent on art assets, you know, and then you yeah. have caravans traveling, but then you have a caravan traveling. Maybe you ambush it and rob it, you know, just, just so much potential there. Very interesting. So I want to get back to buildings and here mm -hmm. are my suggestions for buildings in the future. I'd like to see an arbalist, which is like a big uh, crossbow, like, like on a tripod. Mm -hmm. So you can take down dragons. So like what I'd like to see it do is do like, when you go to the battle screen, if your village has an arbalist, I'd like it to do two damage per tier of material used, rounded down, uh, to each enemy card as its place. Yeah, it's like a, like having a trap essentially. Yeah, like having a trap essentially. So I guess like it a bear trap, I think, down is what they if use. it's two two damage, but X number of damage per tier of material used to the enemy cards. So that would whittle them down some. Mm -hmm. And like again. It. It'd be somewhat useful at low, decently useful at high, because even if you build it out of tier 5 materials, that's 10 damage. That's not a whole lot, No, it but that is enough quick. to help get through the shielding of some of those monsters. That adds up quick, especially if you have poison weaponry. Yeah, well, I don't think you would be able to do that just for the building. But, um... That, I mean, this is for protecting... Essentially, it's for protecting your territory. Your, this is what I was village, saying about right. the watchtower. Yeah, yeah. So... I'd like to see something like that, and then that would even enable them to do different monsters attacking the village, too, so that would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to see uh, an animal pasture added that would add meat per turn, and then if it's built with tier 3 materials, it would add uh, 1 to 3 tier 1 bones, and if you build it with like tier 5, it'd add 1 to 3 uh, tier 2 or tier 3 bones to your stockpile, because... I don't think there's any buildings that add bones. You can get buildings that add all the other resources mm -hmm. except bone, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Because I know I built them all. I'm pretty sure mm. you can't get bone at the moment. No, so I'd not. like to see an animal pasture that could provide meat and bone if you build it out of higher materials. Okay, fair enough. We need ducks also. And 
Ducks. Absolutely. <laughs> ducks would make a fine pet. Why not? The, parrots. Uh, more parrots pets? and ducks. Parrots. Okay, it's very late. I think we're yes. hallucinating yes. now. Uh, right. I'd like to see a shipyard in the building because I think shipyards are really cool, or, mm. or the ship mechanics are cool, mm. and they would help. They would give you a bonus to the ship's carrying capacity. No, you'd have to be your your city would have to be literally on the coast to do that. Well, there you go. Well, but then not? you lose. You're losing depending on where you are on the. Coast. I mean, you're losing. You know, tiles that you can. It, oh, as man. long as that coast is within the range of your gathering zone, mm. I don't. I don't see why. You know what I want to add? What's that? So I would want to add fishing while on a ship. Oh, that would be why cool. Why can't you fish? There's so many fish out in the water. Why can't you fish? I could. I could live with that. Yeah. Right. That'd be cool. Um, then, I think they should. They should add a library that yes. increases the duration of all these cool new rituals they added. Mm-hmm. By like one turn per tier of material used, mm-hmm. uh, and then you could also have it help with research. Although there are there are buildings, that yeah, already there's already that. buildings that do that. But there you go. That could be something that interacts with uh, rituals. Um, what about a communal oven? Yes, that gives a bonus to cooking skills, so you can um, either refine materials faster or cook meals faster or Maybe even um, make bread. Make more. <laughs> make bread. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I don't understand why bread is not one of right? the options in the game. Like that blew my mind. There's not bread. You got wheat. Yeah, and, but no bread. You. The only thing you have that's bread like there are the pierogi, which is the you know. <laughs> that's the... kind of like pasta. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's it's not like pasta. a dumpling. It's yeah, but it's a big dumpling. It's a deep fried dumpling. Oh too. man, I, lo- I love I love pierogies. I know, right? I love right? pierogies. Or my my grandmother used to call them paraha. Right. Uh, well, depends where you're from. So depends on where you're from. But man, oh, they're good. They are delicious, and they're in the game. I think yes. that you can make those. You can make uh, fish ones, and you can make beef ones. Yep. I I prefer the ones stuffed with potatoes and cheese. Ah, my or mushrooms. Mushrooms. Ooh, I haven't tried that. I'll have to uh-huh. try that sometime. Just come visit. Okay. We'll we'll do that. We'll do that. Uh, I'd also last uh, last building I want to suggest is a beacon, and this is almost a nod to Thea One, mm. where oh you're beacon, calling people for recruiting. Yeah, you're calling people for recruiting, and it would be like you'd have a one percent chance for tier one through three material, a two percent chance for four, and a three percent chance per five, and then the type of person you could recruit would depend on the material. So this is one yeah. where the material would actually matter. matter. So like, like metal it. would get you dwarves, wood would get you elves, leather would get you goblins, um, gemstones would get you uh, demons or something. And Scavengers um, on large spikes would get you Slavians. Yeah. Because yeah, neither one of them like scavengers. Um, you know, stone would... I don't get know. You get dwarves. you something else. I mean, they they could figure out how to assign all yeah, that. Yeah, that's, you know? that's a good one. I like that. Like, th- at least then people that were really fans of building buildings that could do that from 3 and 1 could kind of mm-hmm. have that mm-hmm. in there. So that that that's something they could add. I don't think that'd be very hard. So do you know uh, what I want to add? Well, I, I would love to know what you'd want to add. Well, I, I've already mentioned a bunch of them, but I will mention the one thing that's that can be done that will be a small tweak to combat 
doesn't make a lot of sense, but perfectly fits the lore, the narrative. So a lot of the art has characters that have multiple weapons. Like they have two axes or an axe and a sword or an axe uh-huh. and a knife. I want to have that as an option. Mm. You know, you know I, what I mean? I like, like that. I like Thea, that. In Thea 1, a warrior could carry a two-handed weapon in one hand, which yes, makes that's sense. that's right, which was really cool. Really cool. So I would do that by having a warrior of like a certain strength. So if you have a strength 10 or higher or 15 or 20, then you can do it because, I mean, you've been, you know, you've been putting in your time at the gym. You can honor Schwarzenegger the hell out of something, you know. But sometimes you see characters that have two knives. Why can't you carry two knives? Maybe they don't do as much damage as a sword and a shield, right? Like they don't have the same attack and defense as a sword and a shield, but two knives can have different type of attacks. So you're not essentially adding new attacks because there's already so many different versions of attacks. But like somebody with two knives does an area of effect because they hit you with two knives. So they can hit two different people. They're doing a dance around you, you know, like, you know. Or, or knives could even um, be give a throw. you extra initiative, make you yeah. faster, right? Yeah, something. So. You, can't, you can't block, but gives you like a little bit time off you know or maybe you have a short sword or something so i mean like things like that little things like that so like you have a lot of the warriors that carry two axes you know okay so give me two hand axes that would be awesome one to throw and one to fight with yeah cool um is there any suggestions you have regarding rituals for the game um i like the i like what they did with the rituals me too. So, I'm so pretty happy did, with that. And like your suggestion with certain buildings extending the length of rituals, I like that too. I th- I think there is already something in the game. It might be a, a god point that lets your camp have a slightly larger radius for collecting resources. Uh, I Yeah, I have that card. I have but that card. I think there should be a ritual that can do something like that too. Oh, make it go even further for like a certain number of turns. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, nice so one. Give you, give you more versatility from your. Camp, but but like, you gotta sacrifice a lot of resources. To oh get yeah, it. oh yeah. So absolutely. yeah, there's a trade off there. Nice. Yeah, like cool and it would idea. have to have it would have to have wood essentially. So yeah, what it is is like you're making like these giant you know torches, and they're giving you like at night you have more. So you get. Like maybe at night you can go out further or something. I don't know. There's like little things like that. Like this yeah, is maybe that. the icon for it could look like a little torch or something. Yeah, like that. something. Yeah, I like that. I like that. What I'd like to see is for them just to move the rituals to their own screen in uh, the research mm. window. Because so right now a... it's with buildings and yeah. it just I don't know. That's that's just seems odd. I guess they did that to economize space. Yes, but I don't know if they really need to do that. But think about it: if it if it gets its own screen too, then that's an extra click. It, and then we're well, back to the micromanagement. Well, it's not an extra click because if you wanted to research rituals anyway, you were going to have to click on that one anyhow. So it's not mm-hmm. like you very often spend a point on buildings and then spend another point on a ritual at the same time. Mm. You know, that's true. So I, I think they could put it on their own window now. I think it would look nicer aesthetically, aesthetically speaking. Uh, when it comes to the Lightbringers, they gotta they gotta justify them more to players. Like somebody needs to come along. Like maybe uh, Theodore, right? Mm-hmm. He comes along and he explains them a little bit, or you, well, you have or something because like people are getting murdered by them, 
And that's no fun. And they don't know why the Lightbringers hate them so bad. Right. Because they don't seem like they'd be bad, right? They're bringing light. Why is light bad? Well, uh, no spoilers. You get it no as part of your main quest. Yes, yes. You learn about it, but initially you don't know who they are. And you don't so. know why they hate you so bad. And so they either got to justify that more in the early game, or they got to do something with the light, light brain. They've been nerfed twice, mm-hmm. and it might just be time to remove them from the starting island altogether and put them on all the other islands so you have to deal with them there. But uh, aren't but they already there? On all the they, they are there. They are there. But they, they don't seem to bother me as much on all the other islands. Just the starting island. Mm. Like, once I'm off the starting island, until I really get going on the main quest, like, they mm-hmm. don't seem to really trouble me. I don't, I don't know what that is. But um, maybe that's just my own perception and bias. But I think so. The, the, the real problem is just, like, that starting island with the light bringers. Either they got to do something about them where they don't attack... Or they're justified so people understand why they're being attacked, or mm-hmm. they're not as strong, something mm-hmm. because that that is driven off. I don't know how many people, yes, uh, from the game, and uh, or or the other option is to offer a retreat. Like you can retreat from anything without fighting. Like mm. every every event, every encounter, there's a retreat button, regardless. And but I don't I don't know. I I don't think that'd be very fun. I think that's. Taking risks is part of the... Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, how would you feel about putting a retreat on everything? Well, you have a retreat, like a forfeit essentially, but boy, do you take a lot of damage from that. So, and you retreat, you, you cannot retreat from your first encounter, but you can retreat from every other encounter. And a lot of the quests, a lot of the events give you an out like, well, here are your options, just leave it alone. Or here's this, run away, here's that. So you kind of already have it, but Mm -hmm. mm, I don't know. All right. Uh, One thing I'd like to see them uh, add to is, you know how bones can let you, especially at higher tiers, um, when you're making legendary Mm -hmm. and um, uh, that kind of item, they attack both spiritual and physical. They need some weapons somewhere that do mental and physical and then mental and spiritual. So I don't care what combination of materials get you there, but I like how bones plus something, I usually match them up with gems, but that's just because they're adjacent, um, can get you physical and spiritual uh, attack bonuses. But there isn't for the other combinations, and I'd like to just see them add those. Um, Yeah, that's that's a good call. That's a good call. Because otherwise you just end up, like I just end up driving most of my... um, encounters towards spiritual battles uh because that's where i got most of my bonuses and i'd I'd like to try the other things but i'm scared (laughs) you know know? yeah well the consequences are pretty severe indeed indeed um you talked about this earlier uh what about new islands you said just like not one dedicated to a specific type of species just Mm -hmm. different types what else would you like to see in new islands in the game? Anything? Just some, I don't know, like maybe some islands that only spawn particular type of monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, so kind of, you kind of have that right now, but so like on um, Goblin Island, like the, like you have demon circles and like to have more spawns. Though I noticed lately that they're actually starting to spawn like elf bandit groups and human bandits and dwarf bandits where 
orc bandits where it's not actually the groups coming out of um, the villages, but these are bandit groups that make up of the main factions. And I, I don't know where they're being spawned from, but I like it. That's cool. So I think maybe on one of those other islands, just to get just more diverse, you know, more like the Slavian island, right? Where it's yes. not quite yeah. as powerful as Elf or as dangerous, I suppose, as Elf Island. Which but, is very dangerous, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the hardest island of the game, personally. Uh, so. Dwarf one can be pretty bad because of the dragons. No, but you can get dragons on Elf Island. Because yeah. you can get dragon. You get... It really depends on the dragons. You have dragons that are coming from the rock face. Right. You have dragons that are in the cave. And you have like two or three different dragons that come in the cave now. So you have like okay. this mini- I thought that was just more of an anomaly. I didn't re- recognize that was... a. uh a regular thing. Like, I get attacked by dragons a lot on the Dwarf Island. I didn't think it happened so much on the Elf Island. Oh, yeah. No, in the Elf Island, it's events. But, like, you have now, I noticed in some of my events, I'm not sure exactly who is doing it, but in some of my events, like, when I'm passing, when I'm about to enter a dragon cave or a dragon encounter, there's a little demon that gives me a warning. Be very careful. Mm-hmm. I, I have to snap a picture of it, and I'll post it up on Steam. But, okay. yeah, so... Cool. I'd like to see this is this is an area I think where they could really work on the end game, kind of mm-hmm. like they did with the Giants DLC in Thea One. Mm-hmm. They could add another island with a very powerful new uh, species on it, whether it's yeah. a type of giant or titans or dragon kin, like mm-hmm. you know something oh, but like then that. Everybody's gonna want to recruit them. Yeah, yeah, but you gotta go there, and it's really super tough. And maybe in these super high level islands that are more for the end game in the hardcore strategy players you can start gathering tier 4 materials because that's what the high level requires so uh rather than having to get them through quests or encounters or um cook them in your village you can gather them here but boy the risks you're taking doing it well here's Uh, the thing Here's the thing. See, I don't see it that way. Because right now, if you're attacking, not through spirit or through mental, but through physical attack, if you're ambushing like six skull, seven skull, eight, nine, ten skull, light bringers, or demon circle, or whatever, you get tier four and tier five materials. Yeah, what yeah. You- but what I, what I was saying earlier is once you're over that hump, like the game's not dangerous anymore. Right. So I'm but saying I mean, future islands need to be dangerous so but there's got to be, be a good reason 10. to go there there's got to so be something to to draw people there other than just another quest right so I think then it would have could... to be stronger than 10 skull it would have to be 15 oh yeah skull. definitely well i mean that's what happened with the giants dlc right they you yeah. had your normal skulls and then you had like the demon skulls yeah and you knew and those were really bad encounters yep so uh i think that the future islands should future islands should definitely be geared toward the end game i don't think they need to mess with the earlier mid game it's gonna yeah. add islands they really should add islands um other than uh like i like your your suggestion where it's not any particular uh race that owns that island okay right. it's, it's something like a neutral island where you could see almost anything let's say uh but future islands other than that should really have like the next level up monsters that mm-hmm. with I mean, you you got to go there and you got to be ready, but you can collect tier four materials. And maybe they make more than one island that you can do that on. So 
Anyway, that that's what I feel about that. Is there any other suggestions you'd like to make about the game uh, before we get to our closing comments? Keep up the good work. I really like what they've been doing, and I hope that the game gets more exposure because it's you know so much potential there. And with the exposure on Steam, and <laughs> you know, it's um, it's got to be like on the community. It's got to be on the people to get the word out. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, I definitely want them to keep working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've really enjoyed the game now. I didn't at first. I know. I, I, I know I, you I did. did. Have, I was surprised. Yeah, me too. I really expected to enjoy it. Um, but it took a while to work through that. And it, it wasn't easy. And I almost gave up on it. I, I really did. I it, I seriously said, I'm going to play it one more time. And if I don't get where I want to go, then I'll be done with this game for good. Oh, and thankfully, man. that's when I got over the hump. You know, mm. uh, a, clearly a lot of people haven't. And I think as a result, Thea 2, well, Thea 2 isn't to 2019 what Thea 1 was to 2015. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I, I, I'm i bummed by that because I love this franchise. But, the, but it's not I over. 2019 hasn't ended yet. They still have a chance. Well, yeah, definitely. And... I think with the right DLC, and even, you know, Thea was able to grow its audience as it grew its DLC. It got stronger every year. Mm-hmm. Thea 1 is what I'm speaking about. Yes, yes. And so I, I have high hopes for Thea 2 that it can get there too. I, I was, you know, I was hoping for a better start. And I think it's because they, they focused the game more on the hardcore players rather than the casual players that, that caused it to get the reaction that it did. Mm. Um, which I, I they they can draw those players that back though the the game has everything it needs to yes. be phenomenal phenomenal I don't like combat never will I will encourage them to go with 3D combat in the future um, even yeah, for like that's, social that's... situations you know yellow combat look you put people in a bar you know you're you're having your 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 time in the bar and you just have them move around the bar and so you have two people go talk to a guy who's sitting at a table trying to convince him that they should play poker with you or come with them on the journey or give you the information that you want and you have your different yellow abilities to go get them and you just play it out like that and instead of fist fights and swords and things or magic spells it's just words mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's where combat would be better. But if they're if they're gonna go with card based combat, there there needs to be more documentation to help the the players yes, understand what's going that, on. So that. that's all I've got. Is there anything else you want to say before we end this uh, very lengthy marathon episode? Congrats <laughs> to all hit, those who made it. Has it hit three hours? No, no. Oh, okay, but it's definitely. I'm pretty sure it's our longest episode. Could be. Um, Could be. Is a game worth talking about, though? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, no, I'm. I, I think I covered everything. Wait, did I mention that I want bread recipes? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me uh, too. And some cool new pets. Yeah. Um, yeah. There should be a ferret. I don't know why there's no ferret. You know, yeah. a sneaky little ferret or something like that. Yeah, that gives you pet. like a sneak attack ability or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Not a first strike, but lets you, like, you know, do something. 
you know, sabotage them or somehow distract them. Oh, it's so like with otters. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, let's go pet them. You know, meanwhile, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you go pet them. All right. No. Well, with that, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. We've really uh, loved having you here for this marathon session on the Audible exp- extension for Thea 2, The Shattering. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.